And now a special presentation of Dinner with Racers. And now for Dinner with Racers, presented by Continental Tire. With your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Placeholder Radio. Welcome to Dinner with Racers, and this very special edition of Mr. Smokey Eunuch. Smokey Eunuch? The Smokey Eunuch. Well, Ryan, I'm just clicking on this one, and I didn't click on the previous episode or know that there's a show on Amazon Prime. Tell me more. So we have the show on Amazon Prime. A video series on Amazon Prime? Yeah, it's, is, all, it's called Dinner with Racers. Kathy Heckman wants to know, is that like being on television? It's almost like being on television. Very good. It's very something good. the kids are into these Our days. little show is on the internet, like uh, YouTube. Uh, oh, that's a little cute. Oh, I'm from a little show called Dinner with Racers on Amazon Prime. We can do that now. Yeah, we Amazon can do Prime. that now. Anyway. I'm doing that now. All right, Smokey Unix. So yeah. uh, <laughs> if you've watched our Amazon Prime show, uh, or listen to the previous episode about Smokey Eunuch from his daughter Trish, then you already know the background of Smokey Eunuch. But just real quick, Smokey Eunuch. Very talented and world-renowned engineer, probably one of the greatest mechanics of all time, but also a controversial figure. Got in a lot of trouble with NASCAR, built some innovative cars in Indy, all kinds of cool street cars. That's everything you need to know. Check out our Amazon show or the Trish Eunuch episode for more. Yeah. There are a lot of people that worked with Smokey Unit. Tons. And if we could bottle that up and put it in the entirety of our sort of mini documentaries, we could. But we can't because you only have so much time. Right. So this is that opportunity to do a little bit more long form. So this is just a compilation of the people that we sat down with and uh, their stories about Smokey. So before we get into our cast of characters that uh, tell us about their time with Smokey, mm -hmm. this is all based on one massively extended road trip. When we did the math on everything, we traveled about 50,000 miles <laughs> across two countries. I don't even know how many states. It was a lot. In uh, what kind of car, Ryan? It was an Acura MDX. On uh, what kind of tire? Continental tires. Cross contact, LX Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Smokey Eunuch. <laughs> <laughs> through the words of people that worked with them. Now, before we turn it over to our first guest, just a reminder that episode number two, All About Smokey Eunuch, will be on Amazon Prime this weekend. If you are listening to this on the absolute minute that this thing launches, it may not be out just yet, but check out episode two when it comes out. Uh, you can go ahead and subscribe to The Season on Amazon Prime, and you'll get all the episodes as soon as Amazon decides to make them available for you. We're done on our end. And, of course, if you really like these stories, you should buy the Smokey Eunuch book available at SmokeyEunuch.com. Those proceeds go directly to the Eunuch family. You can buy them at several sources, but SmokeyEunuch.com is the place that will benefit the Eunuch family the most, and we should absolutely support them because they supported the heck out of us. Now, our first guest was not somebody who raced side-by-side -side with Smokey Eunuch, but he is somebody that we felt would be a great opener to the show, and that is Mr. Ray Evernham. Yes, Ray Evernham sat down with us. You might hear him in a podcast all by its own later on in the year. But we figured Ray was a great opener because a lot of our fans have probably heard of him. He was obviously Jeff Gordon's crew chief during those dominant years when they won all kinds of cup championships and Daytona 500s and they were the guys to beat. And just like Smokey, Ray would argue to the death that he's, of course, a guy that maybe exploited the gray but was not a cheater. And uh, whenever it came to talking about modern versions of Smokey Eunuch, Ray Evernham was the name that came up the most among everybody that we spoke to. Today, of course, you'll hear names like Chad Canals or Cole Pern, but certainly of the 90s and 2000s era, Ray Evernham, by many accounts, was considered sort of the, the like-minded guy to, to Smokey. Maybe not as controversial, but still pretty badass. So we figured he'd be a good 
modern guy to kind of help set the stage on storytelling with Smokey. And it turns out they actually knew each other, and, and during Smokey's later years, he spent a lot of time in the shop. So these are some pretty cool stories. And we met up over at Red Rocks Cafe in Mooresville, North Carolina. It was the second time. I believe the first was with Justin Marks. And uh, I had a chicken sandwich, and Ryan had food named after a race car driver, I'm sure. Anyway, Ray Evernham. Meow. All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two. So, Smokey Eunuch, um, did you guys ever cross paths, by the way? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, we uh, we got to be friends uh, at towards the end of my uh, career with the 24 team. And then when I started the Dodge team, Smokey would come up and visit me once a month and sit in my office. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, and talk about, yeah, yeah. And let me tell you, he was, Smokey was as smart about, he was like Nostradamus, you know, because so even he, in like the early yeah, 2000s, he, well, he explained everything removed. that, he, yeah. he explained how the program would build up, the things that would happen, what could make it fail, what did make it fail. He was pretty smart, you know, he was pretty adamant about a six inch rod too. We tried to make it work for him, but we, we just couldn't do it. You know? <laughs> well, hold on, so what, his last stock car race, I believe, was 68. Mm-hmm. And in, let's say, 2002, 2001, he's still telling you how you should do it. Yeah, well, he, no, he, he, he just came to talk to me. But he really talked more about the business of it and handling working with the manufacturers and, and you know, protecting some of the things mm-hmm. that, that we were working on. Right. Now, he was still, like I said, he was all about his motor. He was all about getting a six-inch rod in that motor. We were yeah. like a 5.7 yeah. rod, and he's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. he was all about that. And we tried to build a six-inch rod uh, motor for him, but it was nice. Now, was that because uh, he actually thought it would benefit or just to shut the old man up? <laughs> no, well, he's Smokey Eunuch, and I thought to myself, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I remember having this conversation with the Dodge engineers, and my guy said, look, Smokey Eunuch said, and they're like, I, I was like, look, he's Smokey Eunuch. Build a damn motor yeah. with a six-inch rod, and then, you know, <laughs> let me know what we got to do. You know, it's like, right. eh. And with that combination, you know, the block and the cylinder heads, and it just wasn't what that motor needed. But, uh, you know, I always feel like it was an honor to, to have him think enough of me to talk to me because the first time we he used to when i was on a 24 car he'd stand at the back of the garage there and stare never talk to me and i was like oh man like and he'd look you know so and you couldn't not know you that know, was him. like yeah, that yeah, smoke yeah. you know we're and talking would, the full get yeah. up he's got the, the pipe oh the, the white like the pipe yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know uh, um, and z max i think at that time he had some yeah okay. you, yeah that's who is whatever and he'd so finally you know Got to meet him at a PRI show. They had a kind of a panel, and we were on it. And I, I said, you know, I, I should have walked up to you and introduced myself, but, you know, it's kind of intimidating because you never <laughs> talked to no me. At no point yeah. did anyone tell you you were Ray Everham and it was okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, like, but that never happened. No, it still, it still doesn't happen. I've had people say it to me, and you'd be like, man, I'm intimidated. That, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, um, you know I it, get the same thing, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. You, know, so. you, you just think, wow, that you never think of yourself in, in that in that way but uh and i said you know what why 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 didn't you talk to me straight up he says well i wanted to see if you knew what you're doing and i'd always heard you were a smart ass just like that (laughs) and i said uh well what do you think he said you know what you're doing pretty good you are smart ass. <laughs> and we, you know, just always we got to be friends. I mean, he was right. busting, but we got to be, yeah, right. got to be, uh, got to be friends. And uh, as I said, you know, always it was good to get his calls and and, and things like that. And uh, you know, he uh, he was a special person. One of those people who is not a. Uh, there's genius in different ways. You know, I was thinking about this when I come down here to to try and talk to you guys. And you look at. Einstein was a genius. The numbers would come to him. He right. would see it. You know, mechanical people like Smokey, like that—that that was Al Squiggly. But he could see the 
he could he could see the whole thing you know he could he he understood the air and the fuel and the thing that had to go through a you know the, an engine to make it better and the combustion chambers and you know and i i look at people like that and think that that kind of genius is is out on on the farm land right, you know right. it, it it it's out in the mechanical area or the aerodynamic area where, where there's people that that can do that and they're just as smart that you know they can't do the math can't figure the math that you but but they see the mechanical part of it and and smoky smoky could just do that if you look at the list of things that he's done in racing and outside of racing yeah. you know that manufacturers are still doing today you know you know smoky had worked on soft walls long before the right. whole soft wall deal and you know the whole the, the power steering things and the stuff that he'd worked on it's it's amazing and the only thing you can think of those people have a level somewhere above what other people right. are given yeah and if you look at obviously the time that he was he was around you couldn't just like look it up yeah you, you know what i mean it's not like oh i saw this f1 car yeah. on google yesterday yeah. you know what i mean it was and, and he was coming up with the stuff on his own just from like having that brain yeah you know it's incredible yeah and now that's what's kind of if you think about guys like us, you know, everybody goes, oh, you did this with the pit stop. Oh, you did that. It's just like, no. The, the, unfortunately for me, I don't get credit for starting anything. I took what the Wood Brothers started and brought it up step. I took some of the stuff that Smokey Unix started and, and moved it. Harry Hyde, you know. Yeah. Guys, I, got, I was so lucky to, to have worked with guys like Banjo Matthews and Harry, Harry Hyde and, you know, Robert G and all these people. And you're thinking, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really – Invent anything. I just kind of took their idea and massaged it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I think you did okay. Yeah, yeah. You can you can get a little bit more credit than that. Yeah. Just like a little bit though. But you I know, I, I don't want I, you to. I'm, I'm a realist. Yeah. But it's like, look, yeah. No, fast pit stops. Mm, talk to Leonard Wood. You know. <laughs> um, did he? Did he ever offer any advice that you use today? Like anything like outside of like automotive? Uh you know. I can't say that there's something specific, yeah. but some of the things that he talked to about, and again, as I said, he was like Nostradamus about where the sport was going and um, how the American manufacturing system worked and the politics and the personalities involved, which I, I really didn't think he was much aware of that stuff because he, he would just fight with anybody and write you off in a heartbeat and they just wouldn't speak forever. But when, in fact, he, he really was really aware of all of that mm -hmm. political uh, stuff. He just didn't want to deal with it. Right. You know, and, and so it, it, was, it wasn't that he was smart enough or, 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 or not smart enough or too stubborn to, to deal. It was like he was probably too smart to want to be in the middle of it. Right. And, and uh, I always think about that sometimes, like, am I being really smart or am I being not smart by getting in the middle of this? Right. You yeah. know, when the smart people are overdoing yeah. what they want to do and that was part of me really leaving being an owner mm -hmm. because i never enjoyed being an owner as much as i did building cars yeah we'd, we'd read that when you took over the, or when you got the dodge program you kind of lost love for it because you didn't get to tinker yeah and you know you couldn't you, you you know it's like i now i i still get to build some cars here and there so it keeps me keeps me going mm -hmm. but i'm i'm headed more back in that direction because i still do too many things that stopped me from building cars, and that's what I like to do. Yeah. Well, let's save that for the, the yeah, right yeah, podcast yeah, yeah. side of it. But on, on the smoky side, um, we sat down with Trish Unick, who's emphatic that the word cheat doesn't belong when it comes to smoky. Um, but do you have a favorite ex exploitation of the gray that, that he did? In his you know, I think she's right because you got to remember some of those rules weren't written. You know, when when you know people yeah. talk about you know that 
Chevelle being a seven ace, and it wasn't. You know, Smokey will sit and explain why it. You know, the 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 rear suspension worked better because it had a Watts link and it had all this stuff in it that other people didn't have. Okay, you've you know? seen the car. Yeah. yeah. We actually saw the car. Yeah. We spent a day with the car yeah. about two months ago. And we went, like, we measured yeah. it piece by piece because we not. had to know. It's yeah. Not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, the fuel thing at Daytona with him driving that car, right, it did happen, but there was no thing on the fuel size back right. then, right? So um, I have been fined, and I will argue whether <laughs> that's cheating or not. Okay, a whole different conversation. But when you look back at Smokey and you say, where, where, did he ever, where, where was he ever disqualified for cheating? Where was something taken away or where was he fined? You know, because you didn't think of it quicker than he did. That made him a cheater. Right. No. You know? So uh, I agree with Trish. <laughs> you, okay, so if, but if we were going to call them cheats for the sake of argument, what would be your favorite one that he did? Uh, boy, I don't even honestly... Uh, know the favorite cheat because the two that you always hear about is that Chevelle, right? Yeah. And I know that's not true. And then when he did the fuel cell deal at Daytona, it wasn't cheating. So um, they didn't really mess with restrictor plates when, when, when he was there. So I, I don't really have one because I don't really know of th those are the, the two. You know, people say, oh, well, he did this and he did that. And I'm like, well, he, he, did, he, did, he did what? Exactly. <laughs> and he never sat there and said to me, hey, we did this and you know, cheat that. I know some other people that I've worked with that have cheated and, and, and done some things, but I don't really have any any real smoky cheating stories other mm -hmm. than folk law. Right. Those stories about doing the uh, flow test in the creek behind his shop and things like that, all really true good stuff. And you think, okay, well, most people would never put that fluid dynamic, aerodynamic equation together. Right. Yeah. You know? So you have a uh, pretty known collection of, of cars and racing memorabilia, and I thought it was pretty cool. My dad's a fabricator, you know, by trade, and you have one of Smokey's lathes? I have a lathe uh, at a Smokey's shop. I've got a couple crazy things. I, I have Smokey's truck, you know, the truck that actually hauled the, uh, you know, on a trailer, hauled yeah. the, the Chevelle and in some of the Indy cars. Is it a ramp truck? No, no, it's okay. a big box truck. I got you. Uh, so we've got that, and I've got a lathe uh, uh, that he gave to a guy who worked on the TV stuff in Daytona, and he called me up one day. He said, oh, you know, you, he said, I've got this lathe that I did some electrical work for Smokey, and he traded me. Would you like to have it? I was like, I'll be right down. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I've got I've got a lathe. So who knows what the? Why can't machines talk? Can you imagine yeah, if that God. thing could talk? We yeah. might I might have some some stories for you about what my favorite cheating part was because <laughs> if it, if he had it, it would have been made on that lathe, right? right? So one of my favorite quotes from Smokey is that uh, for in order for a cheat to actually work, only one person can really know about it. What's your What's your stance on that? Well, maybe that's why I didn't know. He never He never told me. <laughs> so um, you know that that. That's. There's been times when some things happen that sometimes you got to have two people. <laughs> Your involved. face is giving it away. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sometimes the driver has to know, you know, uh, <laughs> unless you're the, unless you're the <laughs> unless you're the crew chief and the driver. You know, <laughs> sometimes um, the driver yeah. has to know to like crack the rear end kind of stuff. It, uh, sometimes the driver has to know to 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 get the right things in the right position um, <laughs> to make everything work. Uh, so. Uh, but I agree, you know, most time the best way to keep secrets is if you're the only one that right, knows. Because yeah. as soon as that circle gets big, yeah. you know, even if it's um, not a cheat, if it's a secret, like you find an advantage, you got to keep that yeah. Yeah. that yeah. 
in because yeah. it gets out pretty fast, and, and especially in the cup garage. Yeah. So Fox Sports, yeah. uh, Fox Sports put out this, I think, fantastic video out a couple of years yeah. ago where I guess you guys had made a bunch of home movies at the 1997 Daytona 500, followed yourselves. 20 years later, they then had you and Jeff provide commentary because – you know, you're effectively out of the sport. Jeff's retired from driving. So statute of limitations wise, you can now kind of speak freely about what the heck you were doing 20 years ago. Truly one of the best videos I've seen in a long yeah. time. It's a refuse to lose. Right? Refuse to yeah, lose. Yeah, yeah you can yeah. see it. It's, it's on YouTube. Um, but comparing you to say Smokey, there's uh, my favorite part of that video is the tech portion where you're going through tech and you're talking to NASCAR and hoping they don't notice, you know, <laughs> the, the 10 things you did and hoping they only catch three. But there's one key thing I noticed, which is when they tell you to work on something, you want to show them that you're putting the effort to kind of change it, and you're also playing dumb on half the things they're noticing. Smokey seemed like he was the complete 180 of that, <laughs> where he would sit there and go, you're never going to catch what I did, whereas you were like, oh, I had no idea. <laughs> you know? um, do you think that might have been some of the uh, part of the problems that he had, is that he, you know, he, he kind of made a point for them to find it, whereas you played ignorant? Uh, I think... <clears throat> When you challenge authority and put a role out that you're smarter than them, it's an uphill battle. But if you're the poor guy from New Jersey who works for Hendrick and and, and, uh, (laughs) you just don't know and you make a mistake, you know. uh, And again, I I, I certainly everybody plays a game, you know, and everybody plays a game differently. But I've learned a lot more by. Not telling people how much I know, uh, Robert G, who who was one of the best body guys in uh, in all of NASCAR, really legend. You know, Dale Earnhardt's grandfather, just a legend. Built like the '71 car for Bobby Isaac and and whatnot. And uh, Robert Robert came down after a couple of years. He'd become drive this big giant Oldsmobile, big I mean a big giant Oldsmobile with a four door, you know, no post, which I thought was really cool. By yeah, the way. oh yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah. he uh, he he. He pulled up by the shop one day, and, and he's watch, he just watched us work. And he said to me, come here. He said, I've been watching you. He said, you got all these guys thinking you know what you're doing. And then they're telling you everything they're doing, and you ain't telling them nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, uh, note to self, be careful, you know, watch up. But I, I think we, we – my style of doing that was, was not going in and let everybody know how smart you are. Where, right. where you're, you know, we're so smart, you're never going to find it. You know, I, I've, Gary Nelson and I had some fights, and I told him, you know, one of these days I'm going to write a book, and you're going to see exactly how much stuff you missed. But uh, oh, Gar- I'm sure Gar- he loved that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, Gary and I, Gary and I had some good. Music. We're we're good now. We're we're friends. Yeah. You know, it's just but the old sheepdog coyote. We we had some good battles in the NASCAR truck. I'm going to tell you, yeah, um, yeah, where people had, actually had to get in between us type yeah. battles. Yeah. So, I'd say our our basic fan base is based around road racing whether that's uh whether that's indycar or or sports car racing but in in those circles cheating is like really you know a big deal if you get caught cheating everyone's (gasps) but then in stock car racing like every week people are thrown out for you know trying to exploit the gray areas and and you have a pretty good quote about sometimes you'd read a rule and you'd think well that might be what nascar thinks but this might be what i think on that same rule so why do you think it's so okay in the stock car world to really push that envelope and then in other forms of racing it's like forbidden? 
Oh, well, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you honestly what I think. I think in you know, NASCAR, it's folklore, and, you, you know, it draws people in, and it's it's kind of that, you know, hey, that bad boy, we're the gunfighters. You know, but we're kind of the Robin Hoods. We're stealing from the rich, giving to the poor. And <laughs> that was the way the game was played. Yeah. But in reality, all of racing has been played that way because I did a seminar with uh, – uh, down at Amelia uh, Island for mm-hmm. Bill Warner with uh, guys about that. And there's tons of guys that have come from IndyCars. And th- there's there's a couple of big guys you know in IndyCar that they just didn't get caught. IndyCar <laughs> didn't make a big deal about it. But, right. you know, there was nitrous and there was things. And, I mean, the last big thing I think was AJ's yeah. washers got with, on his mirrors. You know what I mean? But you look at the stories. I know those guys. I know what they did. I know what they were doing. They were doing – they just weren't making a big deal out of it, nor was IndyCar, because I just don't think the IndyCar inspection, you know, it didn't have to be, it wasn't a stock stock, so they, they weren't going sure. through the type of inspection that NASCAR has. And, you know, I, I'm going to tell you, I, I race with some pretty good road racers now, and we race in a vintage type series, and if you want to see some cheating, come on over, <laughs> come on over there. I was like, oh my God. You it's know, as the NASCAR guy, like, I'm, I'm the... I've got a ways to go to catch up to stuff over there, right. but uh, you know, and uh, you know the 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 modern road racers are not uh, n- not all. Uh, We're in a clear, yeah, I yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. You don't know, Ray yeah. Evernham. No, you no, know. <laughs> no. But I, uh, I I do talk to a lot of uh, a lot of people, and yeah. I do um, deal in some of the parts suppliers and tire suppliers and things like that that yeah. you guys do. So so I'm just. Just saying. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it just seems like in our world, if if somebody gets thrown out for something illegal, but in in stock car racing, literally every weekend, like in pre tech and everything, guys are getting thrown out. Sometimes crew chiefs have to sit at home because of the new rules and stuff. It just seems like it's a lot more accepted. Yeah, I don't think it's accepted now. I think you know right now, look, the sport's overregulated. You know, they've got a real problem as they're coming up with rules because if mm-hmm. if you've got to hold the tail panel in your car and move it where you put the decal 20 thousandths of an inch and it makes a difference, there's something wrong with the car, right? (laughs) So it's time to get the cars a little bit desensitized and guys fighting, you know, fighting for that, you know, fighting for that again a little bit. You know, I'm going to tell you, Mr. France sat us down one time and he said, look, I'm going to tell you boys something. You don't mess with the fuel. You don't mess with the tires. You don't mess with a big motor. And you don't mess with the restrictor plate. He said, so you're pulling templates and doing whatever. Okay, but... He said, you mess with them things, your ass is out of here. And, and I never forgot that. And he, had, he understood, okay, this is the stuff that matters. All that other stuff does is cause publicity away from what we're trying to focus on. And, you know, he'd slap your hand. But if you, you, know, if you, if you did something and somebody didn't like it, there was no big press release. There was no big deal about it. You got hauled into the trailer. Mm-hmm. And guess what? You know, the next week, maybe there was a pit road speeding penalty. Maybe the caution come out at the worst possible time for you, and you yeah. go, okay, look, I'm a, I won't screw around with that anymore. And this was during the France era. And, right, and yeah. Mr. France, right. Mr. France, yeah, yeah, yeah Junior, yeah. Bill Junior. Yeah, yeah. Bill Junior. So that, that was actually one of the things I want to talk about. We'll just do a couple more smoky yeah. things and then move on. Um, so obviously, Smokey's lone interactions with NASCAR were Bill Sr. and Bill Jr. Um, you were in the very unique position in your career to kind of be in that transitional period that went from, you know, Bill Jr. to what we would now consider the modern era of NASCAR. Smokey's run-ins with the Francis were so famous. Um, did you see sort of a cultural shift as NASCAR began to shift during that couple decade period? You know, unfortunately, I didn't get to work with Bill Sr. that much. Uh, Believe it or not, one of the first things in my NASCAR Cup career, I attended Mr. France Sr.'s funeral. So at that time, it was 
it was all over to Bill. I was very fortunate to um, one of the people I worked with was a guy named Les Richter, who was heavily involved in uh, in NASCAR at that time. And you know, there was a lot of wisdom there about different things. And when I look at Smokey, and I think that 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 stubbornness where that alpha dog deal like it, it wasn't really about being an alpha dog it was about hey building a series right so I, I think that there was still some competition there the way Smokey felt like it should be without really understanding what Bill Sr. was trying to do and they just didn't like each other right they, they just didn't and, you know they just and I think Smokey's still not nominated in the Hall of Fame because of that right but you know with Bill Jr. he, he was an amazing guy because he could make you understand like the bigger picture and it wasn't really about him and it wasn't about NASCAR. It was about the sport. And he could put things in a way that you really understood. And I had so much respect for him. You know, there were times I, you know, I got to go on some of the boat trips and, and things. And, okay. and uh, I was a good friend of his son-in-law, uh, Bruce Kennedy. And he had such wisdom that you know, that whole benevolent dictator, you know, I— I'm not, you know, I, I believe in democracy, no doubt about it, right? But when you think about that benevolent dictatorship, I think if you're going to have a sanctioning body and you're going to run a sport, you, you all, you've got to have that, that, that dictatorship. And it may be a panel of guys. It may be whatever. But Bill was really good about knowing what was good for everybody. And he'd tell you, it ain't going to be good for you every day, but it should be. He said, there's some days it's going to be good for you and some days it's not. But it's got to be good for everybody. And you got to remember, the person that's got to be good for every day is the people that sit in the grandstands. And, and he just was an amazing, amazing guy. So you're a recipient of the Smoky Unic Award. What was that like, receiving that? Is that like a big badge of honor? It, uh, you know, for me, the, the one from, that I got from Charlotte yeah. uh, there, that uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway, uh, you know, anything that I get that r- puts my name in line with Smoky Unix means a great deal to me a because i think he was the greatest mechanic mechanical mind ever yeah right he was the crew chief that everybody aspired to be years from now i don't care if it's 50 years 100 years they're going to look back in history and they're going to go up there's there's going to be an asterisk by smoky unix name as the guy right that everybody aspired to be so anytime you're compared to somebody like that you feel really really good i know deep down inside like i said i'm i'm a little bit more polished a little bit more smoke and mirrors and (laughs) and, you know got the the whole deal you know he, he he was pure genius i to have that type of intelligence you know mm-hmm. it, it's just you know just just don't have it you know so you're in the nascar hall of fame is Smokey destined to be in there one day i hope so because the only reason he's not in there right now is purely political and i think everybody knows that mm-hmm. and i think that the new uh, regime at nascar is really starting to understand hey look there just comes a time where you know i remember and, and this Smokey told me out of his own well, he just said, last time I talked to Bill, you know, senior, he's like, I told him we both live in Daytona, and if I'm walking down the side of the street and we're on the same side of the street, you need to move over because I'm going to whoop your butt. You know what I'm thinking? And he didn't say butt, right? And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, you said that? No, you know, he's like, hey, and, and, and uh, they, they were two strong guys, both of them, that were both of them very, very good for our sport you yeah. know bill france senior incredible visionary but smoky smoky as, as well so at some point they need somebody to say peacemaker because I, I don't think that there's a person on the whole committee or any anybody in racing that would say hey look smoky's not as soon as he comes up he, he's a first round 
yeah. guy, right? So as soon as he can get on the ballot, and I don't think there's anybody that would argue with that. Yeah. Uh, you would never say it, but I I would argue the smoky eunuch of the 90s, early 2000s would have been Ray Evernham. Um, who do you think is the, the smoky eunuch of today? Oh, well, I mean, Chad Canals, but, but, you know, and, and, you know, Chad's probably looking maybe towards uh, the end of his career, but I've got a, a ton of respect for Cole Pern and what he does. I like the way that guy works. Uh, you know, he reminds me he's got that, he's his own person. You know, he wants to wear a black T-shirt, fine, wear a black T-shirt and a cap. Don't, you know, have to wear your uniform, you know, that's like, but his cars work and he, his driver loves them. And, uh, you know, so I've got a lot of respect for him, but a lot of respect for Rodney's one of my guys, you know, tra- you know, trained Rodney up. But, you know, he, he and Harvick hit, hit it off well. But, you know, the, pr- the problem is now when you say the smoky eunuch, they, ca- they can't do much of the cars. You know, they're, they're, they're given a kit. They're, the computer's telling them you've got to run the car with this ad- attitude and the driver's got to drive it like this. You know, I really miss those days when you could build your car to suit your driver. And it was about personality. You know, Smokey's cars had personality. My cars had personality. People go looking at They know that's a Ray Everham car. Yeah. And, and I'm sure that there's guys out there like that could, could build cars now, but they can't. And, and uh, I, I wish they could bring that back somehow. But as far as being a really, really good uh, crew chief, uh, you know, you, I look at, at what Cole Pern has done with Martin. You know, Martin's always been a fantastic driver, but he never got the right situation until he got with Cole Pern. And right. then he's dominated. Yeah. So these are all kind of smoky things that he did that we asked those guys as well. Yeah, quick one-liner kind of thing. Yeah. So So have you ever told a NASCAR official you're never going to find what I did to this thing? No. (laughs) Why wouldn't you? Because I didn't want him to find it. I think that should be in the book. Yeah. But uh, I hadn't said that, but I wanted to say to one, you're looking right at it and you still don't even know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever tried to throw a hammer at an NASCAR official? Yes. Oh, whoa. Oh. Hey. Okay. Let's talk about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What happened? I used to carry these um, big orange dead blow hammers yeah. with me and I didn't throw it at the official, but I used to throw that thing uh, quite a bit. <laughs> so... It's yeah. just like on the ready. Yeah. If, oh yeah. If you're you take it to you used to take it to inspection. So you, you know it used to be if the oh, template, if part, the yeah, template yeah. didn't fit, you could beat your car a little bit. Yeah. You know, and you could you know you could nowadays you can't touch it. So we used to hit them with hammers. <laughs> template didn't fit. Whack that thing, right? Yeah. So this one official used to be on me all the time, and he'd make, he'd hit and everything, and I would just I'd hit and and then finally I'd get tired hitting it, and they you know they were rubber mouse, so yeah. I would throw that thing and it would like go. <laughs> You know, over there. So I can't say that he didn't duck it once, but he didn't throw it at him. Okay. Yeah. Did not see that and coming. Did, you know, yeah. And you could do stuff like that without getting fined back then. You didn't even get a secret fine. You know, you'd get called up to the club like, hey, what's the matter with you? You know. Have you ever received paperwork from NASCAR that you proceeded to urinate on and send back? Uh, no, I never um, I never urinated on it and, and, and sent it back. No. Oops. You said you've never sent it back. No. And I never urinated okay. on it. Okay. Okay. Right. There's right. stuff that... Gladly clarified that. American Graffiti, the CS file. Yeah. Kids, that was a movie. In the yeah. 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 Uh, you have like a car yeah, movie. Yeah, I got like the 58. The, yeah, yeah, the original. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty yeah, that's cool. Awesome. Yeah. I think that was... Uh, yeah. yeah. Have you ever yeah. manipulated a template? Yes. The template itself. Like yeah. the template itself. Oh, yeah. How do you do that? With a it, file, you know. Like the, the NASCAR, NASCAR bend, brings a template and you bend, bend it? You, um, 
you know, <laughs> A, you could help them hold them back then. Uh, B, okay. you, we used to put the marks on the car to help them know where they would place them, so to save them time. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, put it right here. No, put yeah. it right here. Yeah, it's right yeah, here. It so, goes right here. Um, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. you would but, like, I'll just hold this right here for you. Yeah. And wow. You, you know, if you, you know, with a, you could, you could, uh, you, you don't, could you don't seem at all. You know, sometimes you only need a little bit, <laughs> you know, and I explained to them, they messed up when they made those templates out of aluminum because the problem was temperature wise, you know, hot, they'd grow and, and, you know, they wouldn't fit because the templates had grown. And, uh, you know, I, I actually had a good audience almost buying into that at one time. I was like, are you making that up? No, I'm pretty serious. You know, know, think about it. Aluminum, the temperature, it grows different than steel. So if it was much hotter, the aluminum, so that would really tell you why, like at Daytona when it was really hot in July, that the template didn't fit because it had grown much bigger than it was when you brought it. I'm not smart enough to know if you're making this up. Yeah, I think but, it's And real. I did watch uh, that whole movie of you lying to officials. Yeah. <laughs> everybody did. Like, everybody did. There were guys that, I mean, there were, there were back in the old days, there were there was some there oh. templates. You, It was okay to massage a template. It just, yeah. you just needed to get it to fit better. We, we talked to, uh, we'll, we'll just call him, for lack of a better name, Slugger Labby. Uh, <laughs> and he threw a template on the roof of one of the garages in Daytona, mm-hmm. so they couldn't use it on him True later. True story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it, he was so. working at Henrik at that point, either Henrik or, uh, or Childs, but the absolute, or uh, uh, DEI, but absolutely did. Yeah. 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 So you guys are all in this together, basically. No, I, I would, yeah. he just like, yeah. ah, I threw a damn thing on the roof. I was like, you really? Sure <laughs> And, uh, and sure enough, uh, we went through and they didn't have it. Yeah. <laughs> but they didn't use all the templates at every racetrack. Yeah. Huh. And, and then so okay. we should just keep what templates they were using. So, again, is it, is it cheating if you know they're using 10 templates and your, cars, your car fits those? But if they'd have brought out the other 10, they would have been more, you know, like. And yeah. So now they started, they, they pretty much had to use all the templates after a while. I wonder why. Yeah, cars look different. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because of you. No, no. I wasn't the only one. There was a group of us. Like, there, was a, there was a group of us. <laughs> you know, you need to talk to some of the guys I had to race against, like Buddy Parrott and Robin Pemberton yeah, and Jimmy yeah, yeah. Fennig and yeah. Andy Petrie yeah. and Tony Glover. Uh, there, was a, there, was yeah, a, yeah. there was a bunch. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. So it sounds like you read a lot of Smokey's book. Yeah, all of it. Actually, did, uh, did some of the audio for Trish. Perfect. Okay, so a lot of claims, a um, lot of elaborate stories, truth or not, who knows. Uh, but to you, with all the guys you've, you've come across, with your own legacy within NASCAR, what do you think is more important, the legend of somebody or the truth? Ah, it just depends. You know, I think the people that you're close to in your sport know the truth, right? But the legend is what makes other people want to read about you or want to learn about you. And in that, as the legend draws people in, it does a couple of things, right? It gets people to know the real you that, oh, wow, that's all. that You know, that's, that's folklore. But it also brings people towards the sport that you care about. You know, with me, motorsports and motorsports history and, you know, automobile racing has been so good to me. If people want to come you know because of the what of the of the legend but the, you know in the end they learn the truth and sometimes the truth isn't as exciting as the legend uh, you know in Smokey's case that may not be true <laughs> the truth may be more exciting but you know um there, i hope that that people find at least some some common ground between those two for mm. me anyway because i'm kind of a boring guy no, you, no you're not no you're not yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
You're doing Pike's Peak in a crazy modern day. I'm finished. When you think of all the great storytellers we've met with who are uh, very proud of themselves and a little bit loud and long-winded, well, Bobby Unser comes to mind. Oh, yeah. And uh, strangely enough, he and Smokey Eunuch had a history together. So weird. We went to Albuquerque to sit down with Bobby about his episode that is now available on Amazon Prime, but we also got some Smokey Eunuch stories out of him. So we ordered in Mexican food from Max La Sierra in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I think I had a burrito and a taco plate. It was awesome, but we ate on TV trays. We don't want to talk too long and just let you listen to it. But just to set the stage, if you haven't been in Bobby Unser's home, you are missing something magical in life because uh, if a robber walked into that place, he'd have no question what home he was in because it is a shrine to himself the tv trays we ate on actually had bobby unser tv tray mats yeah <laughs> it was amazing literal placemats of like a bobby unser hero card it was awesome it was one of our favorite things ever so anyway i had a taco flavored chicken sandwich and here's some stories about smoking in it from bobby unser that were very lovely So we are driving around the country right now, uh, learning about one of the people that that sort of a, a younger audience, especially people who don't follow stock cars, may not know as much about Smokey Eunuch. And obviously, you ran with Smokey uh, in stock cars. He helped build a Pikes Peak engine for you. I mean, tell us a little bit about your your relationship with Smokey. Well, my relationship with Smokey was I I'm going to have to say more of a personal one. Yeah. Okay. Than, than it was racing. I, I drove his race cars, and, and I had a f- lot of fun doing it, and if I could do it again, I would do it again. I yeah. mean, literally, even as, as at my age, if Smokey were to call me now, he can't do it because he's dead. <laughs> but he would call me if he could. Yeah. And if he could call me now, he'd, he'd say something that I should do, you know, should go drive something. Right. He's probably built something nobody knows about. Yeah. And he darn sure would let me drive it. And <laughs> and, and that's the th- fun things I had about Smokey. I mean, he really, really, really liked me, wanted me to drive his cars, and if they weren't just right, he didn't care. Excuse me. Yeah. And, uh, well, I guess he did in a, in a way that... He wanted me to be happy. He wanted me to go fast in his cars. Right. And ironically, I really went fast in his car. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> uh, them dang things stretched my legs out pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know his reputation before you met him? Oh, yes. Everybody <laughs> in the world knows smoke. You gotta be. That's the. That's the question of the whole night. <laughs> so, Jeez. What? Go Everybody ahead. didn't know smoke unit was a sick person. <laughs> He was one stout mama, you know. Yeah. So what what was the reputation like? That I mean, I, everyone I assume knew him as like the the craftiest guy in the paddock. But was he intimidating or was no. he? No. Yeah. Extremely quiet. Okay. Yeah. It, to me, he was always real quiet. I hard to get him cranked up to get him going. Yeah. Really. But when it when you would get him going, it'd be something worthwhile listening to. Right. Because he would spring out something new and different. Yeah. 
And I get that impression that like some, he probably fit in the category of quiet guys that some guys when they're quiet, you know, they're evil geniuses, that they're, they're never switched off. They're just sitting there and observing. He was a genius. Yeah. Wish I knew what he knew and wish I had a little bit of energy left, you know, but that guy was so friggin' smart. I mean, smart, smart, smart man, you know, and very, very friendly, very good to people. You know, I hear a lot of people say some things about Smokey Eunuch, but no, he's he's the giddy up and go and the nicest one that you could meet. And then if he doesn't want to deal with you, my experience bet, he just walks away. Yeah. I don't have to worry about it, you know. So was, so was he not, did he not have a big friend circle? What do you mean? It, well, in a sense, like, if he didn't want to deal with you, he just didn't deal with you. And if he's on the quiet side, that probably means he had a very small circle of friends that I he think got to know. Never heard that one before, but you're on for a good one there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Right. Is that your way of saying, sure, whatever, man? <laughs> <laughs> you ran Pikes Peak with Smokey, was, mm-hmm. and... and he built the cars that you ran your first stock car races in, correct? Or your first, uh, like, big NASCAR, uh, yeah, uh, Grand National events. Yeah. 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 So, 69 Daytona 500, I think, was your I ran first that one. Yeah. Yeah. That one. That one wasn't a very good run for me. It wasn't good for Smokey either. We, we popped, a, I think it was a right front tire. And in those days, you had to run uh, the, the uh, inner tire, inner yeah. tube, right. Right. inner tire. Yeah. And that was okay. You know, I didn't like the, I didn't like the idea because we'd never done that before. Right. And so I felt I felt like in the wrong place, wrong wrong deal, running a spare tire inside a tire. You know? Right. Right. So, um, so that race, if I remember, uh, uh, according to what I saw on the internet, <laughs> um, it sounded like it was your only Daytona 500. I don't know if that's accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, you qualified eighth, I think, um, which for not a lot of stock car experience, that's a pretty good run at Daytona, especially um, given everything. And it sounds like, yeah, yeah, maybe you had the tire go out or you crashed out or something like that pretty early on. And we just simply had a simple, simple, simple tire blowout. Yeah. When you start driving for Smoky Eunuch, He's notorious for exploiting the rules. Does he tell you? Does he tell you, hey, look, don't get caught with this or don't go blown by people here? Or does he just say, go drive the race car? He doesn't tell you a thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not a thing. He's the neatest guy, I'm telling you what. He can get things screwed up so easy on the handling. Uh huh. I mean, desperate screwed up and then just as polite as can be hand the car to you have a ball <laughs> figure it out kid mm-hmm. yeah. I'm telling you what that guy Lord only knows what he's going to give you right yeah because he, he was, can he he can figure it out but terrible on, on chassis handling okay so you would argue his gift was about how to make a car go fast, getting all the power you can get out of it, bending the rules, but making it comfortable for the driver, maybe not so much. But I don't even know about bending the rules. Okay. You know, in other words, I know what you're getting at, and I, 
darn Ooh. sure drove a couple of those cars, you right. know. And when the guy dang things run like a striped ass ape, you gotta wonder what in the world's <laughs> making that thing do that. I I drove that little kit car with uh, the little Chevrolet. Okay. And and I'm telling you what, I that freaking car went too fast. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't believe it. Uh, so if the car wasn't handling right. Um, did he have a lot of patience for complaints, or would he even listen? If you're like, you know what, the front end is terrible, and I want to do a spring change or something like that, did he, was it just in one ear and out the other, or did he not have any patience for that? Let you do anything you wanted. Really? Hmm. Anything you wanted. Okay. Yep. you got you got to pay attention at least to the fact that I have no idea what Smokey Eunuch is going to do. I have no idea. I already know Daytona's one fast son of a gun. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get up on the top of that son of a gun, and you're just going what feels like a million miles an right. hour, you know? And you're either really fast with Smokey's car, or he, he's got to screw around with the handling. And <laughs> should never let him do that, you know? Smokey's personality was that he was, you know, very confident in his ways and, and what he thought went do you go to dinner with that guy and think like i don't want to say the wrong thing and have him think i'm an idiot no he knows i'm an idiot <laughs> do that. No. no that's no good give me anything i wanted right any way i wanted it yeah he's the nicest man but that being said he still doesn't know anything about making a race car handle <laughs> you're not letting that go <laughs> Well, I mean, it got really bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And this was for the stock car or? Because I believe you also ran the Paul Revere uh, in a Paul Camaro Revere. that he put together. That, that friggin' thing was fast yeah. from the time it get up in the morning. Okay. I mean, always fast. The Camaro that, that yeah. he put out there? Okay. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, in, in, in the, for the Paul Revere, that's a real handling race because obviously you've got the big, long straights, but you've got the infield you've got to deal with. If handling isn't his yeah, thing, was but it? that end feels nothing. That little car <laughs> just eats it up. I mean, that thing just goes like hell. You yeah. know, I mean, yeah. you know, we started that race. Did I ever describe it to you? No, no. no. So, yeah, tell you, us about Paul Revere. If you haven't, but at any rate, here comes the Paul Revere. Now, I don't. When Smokey calls on this telephone in this house, it's the only one he knows, and he just calls. And he expects you to answer, which usually I do okay. and want to. But by the same token, he never tells you what you're going to do. Okay. He just says, feel like running a race? Sure, Smoke, what do you got? Well, I don't know. He says, come on down, we'll look it over. <laughs> come on down to Daytona from Albuquerque. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But, I mean, he does that religiously. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, that is a dead center thing, what he'd say. From Albuquerque, there's no meaning to that. Yeah. yeah. Just come on by. So, uh-huh. effectively, right. sight unseen, you buy a ticket, you show up at a racetrack, no idea what you're walking into. No idea what car it is. <laughs> I'm dead serious. When I saw that freaking little Camaro, it was the first time, the first time I ever saw it. Yeah. And I say to myself, I say, wow. It's a pretty little car, but what else can you say? Yeah. And I know it's going to go fast. I've already heard. Yeah. It's just like lighting a firecracker. Mm-hmm. So that's not hard to understand. 
But in, in that sense, his success rate was so good and his reputation so strong that he didn't ever have to sell you. You just showed up. Oh, yeah. 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 That, that's a strange thing about Smokey. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, when we started that Paul Revere race, I'm, on the, I'm, I'm the last car on the back straightaway. Okay? The last car. It means ain't nobody behind me, not even the pace car. See? And I'm not really understanding this too well because I think I have a fast car, but I don't really know. And it's so, not like you were racing sports cars every weekend to know how the whole setup worked. Mm-mm. Yeah. No, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Like the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah the schedule yeah. everything. Like an SCCA. Sure. Well, we, we got, I look way up in front up there. There's, but I thought, man, oh man, you know, that's a long ways back to start a race. Wow. So I, I, I had, I had Smokey's car, and I don't know what it's going to do because I never qualified it. See, uh-huh. there's no qualifying for me because the qualifying was the transmission was in the wrong place. Uh, uh, so that's why you're in the back. Yeah. 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 Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, oh, that car never, yeah. never qualified. No, I wouldn't think so. I was curious why <laughs> you were there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, I, but but I mean, when I went out to qualify the thing, it was terrible. I mean, had the uh, first gear like fourth gear something I mean one of his mechanics had all the gears in the wrong place right all of them every one of them and I come in I'm shaking my head I said god dang why didn't I just check it in the pits you know that's the type of stuff with Smokey that I look for Mm -hmm. you know you don't put the goddamn transmission where the fuel injector goes I mean (laughs) it's just it's just Smokey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and his guys. And but it, to him, oh, it's a nothing deal, you know. Yeah. You'll pick it up, you know, don't worry about it. Right, right. But tell you what I did, I started totally at the back of the pack. On the back straightaway, that's where the starting line is for that race. Don't ask me why. Okay. But but we come out a number two turn over there and and we go down the back stretch real slow. And and I know that you know what's going to hit the fan, because you got all the hot dogs up near the front, the rubies and all those yeah. types of guys. You know, I gotta, I, I'm going to be a little bit behind on getting going here, but and I don't know what this friggin' yeah you didn't get to qualify very well illegal yeah. thing of Smokey's <laughs> is you know or is it illegal or is it really real I don't sure. know yeah <laughs> yeah. So I go down that back straight away, and I see, I see just all the dust swirl up, mm-hmm. up from front. And I says, "Well, that's it. Must mean go." <laughs> so I nailed that son of a gun. And do you know, you know where number three turn is yeah. at Daytona? See, I'm leading it by then. <laughs> totally in the lead. So like 300 yards. Yeah, you're already up front, but yeah. not by just a little bit. <laughs> I am hauling ass. Okay. Gone. And there's nothing they can do about it. That thing settles into that number three turn. Feel the the shocks all fall, you know, which means I'm doing pretty good. Everything looks right. Yeah. pretty okay, you know. And and I just kept a nail in it. And the dang thing felt like one of those, like one of the big cars. Yeah. You know, I mean, 
just settles into that racetrack and, and you just kneel it harder and harder and you know you got a you got a fast car yeah. then see and that was really good i mean that was that was really good but now if i took some of the other things i went down there for a smoky super bad see okay yeah but this car that little car was one good car yeah problem was it caught a fire when i was going uh, a little too fast oh that'll yeah that's yeah. generally a problem yeah yeah so that's what ended up taking you out yeah totally yeah yeah, yeah. so when you when you have a car like that and you go blown by the likes of lloyd ruby and possibly parnelli or whoever do they come to you afterwards and go, come on, man, what was that? No, everybody yeah. knows it's Smokey's car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Smokey unit car. Instead, they're Bobby like, isn't going fast on that thing. Shame on him. Yeah, yeah. right, right, right. No. So instead, you go blown by the field and like, yeah, that's about right. Yeah. 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 I think got to feel that way. <laughs> I mean, if he's, a, if he's a good NASCAR driver or... Runs down there occasionally. They've all had their ass kicked right, yeah, by right. Smokey, you know. I mean. <laughs> yep. So in, in today's kind of racing, with, with something like the Paul Revere, that kind of mm -hmm. IMSA, um, if you know you have a car that good, it's very common for the, the engineers and the people that built the car and the drivers to kind of get together and say, let's not be too fast right now because they're going to penalize us later by adding weight or air restriction or something like that. Was that ever a conversation? With no. somebody like Smokey? He never no. said, like, hold back a little bit? No. Yeah. Now you went to a place, ask a good question, but I wouldn't have stopped there, see? Yeah. No place for me to be. Where, they, where you have to actually hold yeah. yourself back. So you would have just gone for it no matter what. For sure. boy. Yeah. Screw him. I mean, I just, I get <laughs> I get angry about stuff like that. Me you know? too. We're on your side. So. <laughs> yeah, I just can't. Uh, I, I can't tolerate it. I really yeah. can't. I'm yeah. just... Screw them. Yeah. yeah. I like it. Today's racing being so cost controlled and they're trying to get everybody down to a very similar box so you can't do a whole lot and it comes down to more at the driver and not about the money. Does yes. that, is that somewhere where Smokey would have been like, well, the hell with that. Like, I want to go tinker and build more stuff and try different things? I think so. Would I guarantee you that Smokey would do that? No. With your history with him and then what you know about today's motorsports, do you think a Smokey eunuch, if he was, you know, my age, could have been competitive in today's climate of motorsports? No. No way. I don't think so. Smokey didn't deal like you're talking. He's he's not going to do that. Never won. I don't didn't know him going way back. Mm -hmm. but, but he wasn't in for that type of business. This simply wasn't. Yeah. And I mean, that was the attitude, you right? Know? Yeah. Right. Don't ask me. You know, you're going to happen. You know, it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was smoky. So I sent the kids over there and went off with him somewhere. Yeah. Probably flying this helicopter I ain't too sure about. I didn't know he had a helicopter. Yeah. Why, yeah. why weren't you too sure about it? I ain't too sure he knows how to fly it. <laughs> but he is. Okay. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Blind faith. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really is. I mean, is this similar to you with airplanes or? No, 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 no. Okay, okay. I don't think he knows much about a helicopter. I know a lot about airplanes. Okay. No, he, he got a goddamn helicopter. Him and Bunky Knudsen. Bunky Knudsen, president of Ford Motor Company. I mean, the Bunky. How did Smokey talk him in to sharing a helicopter with him? But he did. <laughs> yeah. 
One day, I told Smokey, I'd go somewhere. So, well, just a minute, and Belky will take you in the helicopter. I said, oh, <laughs> doesn't sound really good. I mean, he used to run Pontiac, Ford Motor Company. And now, now he's telling me it's good enough for me to ride with him in that helicopter. I don't know if he knows the throttle right. from the brakes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but they, they, uh, I, I survived anything. Anything I did. Those guys. But you should have seen me the day I walked out of the shop, and Smokey is a part of all the water. Yeah. Now, I can't explain it to you, but he lives on the water. That's, this was the best damn garage in town building yeah. they had? Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. And if you just close your eyes and walk a little bit, you get wet. Right. Wow. Yeah, it's got water around there. Yeah. And and he likes it. Now, I, that's where he learned to ride the helicopter. So that, <laughs> and the guys that work there tell me, started it up one day and he just started cro- hopping around the garage like this. <laughs> Grabbing that stick as you do, as you do, and everybody just laughed. <laughs> I mean, this guy's gonna die. Nothing, yeah, nothing good is gonna happen yeah. over that deal, you know. So he got the hell out. And who else? <laughs> I forget who was with him now. Did he fly it over the water because it would be a softer landing? Was no, that the thought? Okay. no. Just all he was doing. He's got a lot of cement mm-hmm. just next to the water, and if that's it, it's just going like that. Just jumping. So there's no lessons, no school. Just no. I'm just gonna figure this well, out. Well, he started. To, he started with a with a uh, lesson man, okay. with a guy to teach. Him. Oh, he did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he started that way. Okay. But that didn't last. But just a little bit, you know. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't. That wasn't anywhere near gonna happen. So then he's gonna teach Bunky Newton. Well, now two of them are gonna die. You know? <laughs> I mean. This isn't right, you know. Yeah, yeah. So uh, to that point, um, it sounds like Smokey, for somebody like you, was very accommodating. Um, but he's not really a guy you would like go and have a drink with. Ooh, right. Just the opposite. Yeah. You know, Smokey invited me to a drink almost every time I see him. We did. We had a lot of fun together. Oh, oh okay. So okay. you're saying he was more about having a good time? Yes. Ah, okay. Like we go around and see some girl come up. He'd expect her to know him. Ah. Hmm. This sounds really familiar. Well, that's just the way it has to be. Right. <laughs> he means it. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So let's say here we are in this room. Dang <laughs> Smokey trying to get me married all the time. You know? Oh, well, oh boy. That's not was, a friend. He was trying to get rid of the competition, <laughs> no. basically. Oh, he's trying to get you off the market so he has a chance. Well, maybe that's it. I doubt it. So, so let's call it 1968, single Bobby Unser, single Smokey eunuch. You go into a bar. Who's going to do the best? I will. (laughs) How did I know? Zero pause. Yeah, that's me. I got it. That dang Smokey, you know, you wouldn't believe it, but somebody, when he'd call me up, to go down there to do some sort of a racing thing, right? Somebody ought to pay for the trip. Yep. Who do you think pays for those friggin' trips? 
Yours truly right here. <laughs> really? Nice. Okay. Stupid, 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 so literally, stupid, stupid. So something like the Paul Revere. He calls, he says, I got something in Daytona Beach next week. Come. Which is where his shop is based. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you go. On the water. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Same water that helicopter. But. but <laughs> Jumps all over. No idea what it is. No contract terms. No, I want to be paid this much. Like, that's just not a thing. And somehow it all works. Not a thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Not a thing, and I'd do it. Wish I could do it today. <laughs> right. Do it all driving over again. For, yeah, driving for that SB was just... <laughs> I mean, it was always an experience. Yeah, I right. mean, it was, yeah. it was never, oh, I just went down and drove for Smokey. Right. Uh, no, that don't work. <laughs> uh, so you ran Pike's Peak in a Torino uh, that he built the engine for, I believe. Yeah. yeah. And uh, how did that come together? Well, that one was pretty easy and pretty nice. Uh, I was down at Daytona. You know, the place to be some times to get your face seen by certain people yeah big shots yeah. Mm-hmm. okay you're big shot and you're, you're trying to get your face in front of people well daytona up in the tower that's the place to go say it's daytona right yeah. okay you're not looking for a ride that freaking race will be over before they get the seat fit for you, you yeah, yeah yeah so so at any rate i'm i'm down there and i looked over there and i said jeez there there's Bunky Knudsen. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's a pretty nice deal. I mean, I'm, I brought my body down. Nobody, well, I don't remember whether I paid for it or not. But uh, but the bottom line is, man, that's opportunity. Big time. So I waller over there. And, Hello, Mr. Knudsen. I don't know if he bunk here, Mr. Newton. <laughs> well, because because he is a big man and I yeah. need him. Yeah. I mean, I need him bad. I don't know anything that's going to happen right that second. But I know one thing. He's damn sure helped me in the past. Mm-hmm. And that means something big time, see. So, so I waltzed over, started talking to him, and everything was nice. And... It was a real nice day outside, but everybody was inside. We're in there, he and I are just talking, and he just looks over at me and he says, he says, Bobby, he says, how come you never win Pike's Peak for us? <laughs> oh, that's a, I, I, I mean, it threw me on that one. Yeah. I couldn't imagine. You want Pike's Peak, boss, I'll get that friggin' thing right, for you. Right, right. I mean, I can do it, ooh, I can do it easy, you know? Oh. And but but it, it kind of startled me. I couldn't understand it. And I says, "Well, Mister Newton, you got Pike's Peak." No, I don't. I says, "You do, Parnelli. Got it in a Mercury. I helped him do it." Right. And he says, "That is not Ford, Mister Bobby." Hmm. Oh, I says, "I got it." <laughs> okay. you, you don't want it to be Mercury, Mercury Division, yeah. not good. No matter who does it. He says, no, I want it to be Ford. Well, if you want it to be Ford, Mr. Knudsen, I'll get it. Is that what you want? He says, that's what I want. So I says, okay, and you're going to have to help me a little bit. He says, okay. I said, see that guy over there, Jack Passenow? He's, he works for you. And he says, yes, I do. I says, we don't get along very good, but I want him out. Not out of the whole thing, but out of my program. 
don't want Jack Bassanoff have anything to do with this. He says, no problem. He says, but you want Jack to give you the parts you need and things like that. Yes, sir. Okay, Jack, come here. So our jockey comes over. He says, you know Bobby answer? Yes, sir. Okay, Bobby's going to run a Ford Force at Pike's Peak. And he's going to win it, incidentally. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably needling me. You know? Right, right. And, and, so, and so he says, okay. He says, I want Bobby to have anything he wants and everything. Now, that's pretty strict orders. Yeah, yeah. that's from a big, big boss. Big deal. Yeah. yeah, I mean, those are not screw around, okay. Yeah, yeah. I want you to think about it yeah. or give me a call if you like yeah. what seems to be happening. I'm sitting in here one day and I get a call and it's it's some guy from Ford Motor Company. I don't know him, but from the transmission division, okay? Now, that's a rare call sure. to Bob Yancer because... Who knows what I'm going to run for a transmission? Yeah, right, right. So Mr. Knudsen is good with uh, with you running this program and it's sort of you doing it the way you need to do the it. The way I need to do it. Where now, does uh, where does Smokey enter the picture? Smokey just the engine division. Okay. But come on, if he taught Knudsen how to ride that helicopter, <laughs> come on, you're getting whatever you want. Yeah, I get anything yeah. Yeah. I want. It makes no difference. Yeah. I mean, you know what the budget was? One biggie. My budget. You mean a million dollars? That's right. For Pikes Peak in what year? 60... Like 69 or 70. 69. Yeah. yeah. There's the, the car's right on the bar. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I did see it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah actually, yeah. yeah it's it's oh, right there yeah, in the yeah, case. Yeah. 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 So in 1969, you got a million dollars to do whatever you wanted. With but the, I didn't get anything. I got no money. Hmm. You had a million-dollar program? I had a million-dollar program. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't want any money. I never asked for any money. Okay. And I don't know why. <laughs> well, it's really dumb, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty stupid. Yeah. And I'm, working, I'm working for a guy that really likes me, Yeah. really wants to win Pikes Peak with what I think is a like-type name. Yeah. And I ain't sense enough to that. I go, no, no sense. Ask for money. You know, I never, in all the things that I did for Smokey, there wasn't one time I ever asked him for any money. Yeah. Even when I did the did the uh, round trip air from Albuquerque to Daytona back, I paid for it. If uh, Tony was, if he was doing it, I still paid for it. Yeah. If other people were paying for it obviously I did lots and lots and lots of things for Oldsmobile mm -hmm. uh, that that wasn't in the same guy they had to pay you pay me yeah yeah but is that because of respect and mutual admiration for Smokey because it's more about I don't the... know why the son of a bitch would <laughs> help me on anything I ever wanted yeah yeah I'm telling you if I see a pretty girl over there they smoke can you go over there and hustle on that pretty girl for me <laughs> he'd give it a hit you know <laughs> Poor wife, I, she had to hear all that too. Now, God dang it, if she didn't know it, God bless her, she should have known that for all the sheer years she lived with him, you know? Yeah. Hell, I knew it, and I just got there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> New guy knows. 
So one of the people that we really wanted to sit down with and speak about Smokey was Bobby Allison. Uh, Bobby Allison, if you are familiar with our series, we actually sat down with him last year and heard stories from his own career. Uh, but he was also a guy that drove a couple times with Smokey, and he was obviously in NASCAR around the same time as Smokey, so he knew all about the legends and was there at the time. So we figured he'd be a great guy to re-sit with us and just tell us about life in the paddock at the same time. And he did just that. So we met up at Big Daddy's on Lake Norman, and uh, I had some king crab legs with my man Bobby Allison. I had a uh, chicken sandwich. And you also? I actually did have a Miller High Life. And what did you do with that bottle? I uh, got it signed. Yeah. So yeah, so we hope you enjoy. Shall we toast to Smokey? I think we should. We yeah. should toast Smokey, for yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, there we go. Cheers, boys. All right. Yes, yes. You know, uh, I don't really know the, the, the whole routine of what we're doing, but yeah. the general idea. Smokey was was one of those really, really neat people. His name really, really described him. Smokey Unique. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Smokey Unique, I'm telling you. Yeah. So I, I crossed paths with him really early. I was trying to get my stuff going, and, and I had worked for Ray Fox. Ray was a big competitor with Smokey. They communicated some, but they, you know, neither, neither one of them, was the other one's best buddy. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, I guess the first go-around was Smokey. I took a, a modified. I built a 56 Chevy Bell S4 Coupe. Modified. You know, and this was for, for what the, category? For Daytona, for oh, the for modified the, okay. race. Okay. okay. And I went to Daytona, and, you know, I was probably 30th in a field of 80 or 90 cars. But I didn't want to be 30th. Yeah. So Ray Fox had run the 427 Mystery Engine with Junior Johnson. Mm-hmm. I got one of the engines from him, but it couldn't work on the, the car at his place. And so there was a, a some something went on that Smokey allowed me to start installing the engine at his place. Okay. All right. And, uh, so you were, it was effectively all Ray's equipment, but you could use Smokey's shop to get it all going. It was, it was Ray's engine, yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And my, my tools. Your sure. Stuff. Okay. Uh, but use it, use a little area there at Smokey's shop. Yeah. And uh, now, was that like, is that an opportunity for somebody like Smokey to kind of look at what you guys were doing, or was it really just being nice? I, I'm really sure he wasn't looking at anything that I was doing. <laughs> You didn't need your help. This kid doing modifieds, yeah. I was really young. Yeah. But I had once some modified, short track modified Mm -hmm. features and all, and had uh, already begun a successful career in in the modified modified sportsman type stuff. Okay. And, uh, and of course, the the big picture was always the Grand National. Yeah. What would now be cut, yeah. 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 So, by, I mean, by 1960... Smokey was already a name. He'd, he'd already won a you know a championship, I think two by this point, um, yeah. and you know and already had this reputation of being clever. So when you're told you can work in his shop, does it mean anything to you? Is there any intimidation? Well, right? you know, I, I appreciated it and I admired him, but I didn't feel like I didn't feel like I could befriend him because he was always above everything. You know, it's 
he he was the big guy that yeah. was a smart guy, and he was right. the the guy that had the he had enough financial backing yeah. to to do things. And, and was this something he declared, or this was just an error he put out? Was just an error that he put out. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's almost like an intimidation factor being around him because yeah. you probably think he's well, he is a genius. Yeah, and. I don't think I am, so I'm sure if I was around him, I think I'm not smart enough to be talking to this guy. Yeah. So I I was pleased and, and honored to be able to walk up and say hello sure. to him and yeah. whatever. Smokey somehow seemed to take a liking to me. You know, he he was friendly to me where you know, David Pearson could walk up to him, he wasn't friendly to him. Huh. Or Buddy Baker or, or any of these you know, guys, somebody yeah. That was at least had some kind of recognition. Yeah, didn't mean anything to him. Yeah, um, I, w- I was having reasonable success on the short tracks, and Smokey built the the new pretty black and gold. Yeah, car that the one that everybody says was cut up. Yeah. I'm telling you, it was not cut up. Okay, and we'll yeah. we'll talk about that. Yeah, in, okay, in a minute. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he built, built that car. Yeah, he called me up and he said. Come try this car. Okay. And by this point, you'd already won a bunch of the races in the South. You'd met yeah, by virtue of working yeah, in the yeah, shop. Yeah, have a relationship. Yeah. Birmingham, Montgomery. Yeah. Kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah. And lots of them, yeah. So this is like it's 65? This 64. is probably 65. Yeah. Okay. So he's got this new Impala that no one knows about. So we're at Charlotte. And I get in the car. And the car drove really bad. <laughs> <laughs> But I, you know, I had driven a lot of bad driving stuff, modified driving yeah. for somebody, yeah. mm-hmm. somebody else's modified it's or whatever. Smoky unit, like it, it, it can't be, be that great. bad, right? right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, and so I wasn't going near as fast as as uh, Smokey was sure the car would go. Sure. And we're standing there, and Leroy Yarborough walks up, and he's Smokey. Well, that car really looks good. He says. Uh, no, Bobby just ain't driving the car good enough. Why don't you let me try it? Oh. Oh. It's okay. All right, let this try it. Mm-hmm. Let a real driver come so in. So Leroy gets in the car, yeah. and he goes out pit road, and he comes around, and he comes by one time, comes back around, and as he's getting off a of turn four at Charlotte, he gets that thing in the wall, and he starts going over and oh, over. Oh, he's rolling the thing. Wow. I mean, destroyed <laughs> yeah. every square inch of that car. I, I think it even... Even the headlight bulb gone. Uh, That's yeah. awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, he, um, so that deal was over. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that'll do that. And so, so I was totally out of touch with Smokey. Um, saw him a time or two along the way. Yeah. As I think of it now, I'm, I think he tried to make me feel welcome. Mm-hmm. Okay. But. I, I was in awe of this guy. Yeah, know. absolutely. But I also saw that he was not wanting to follow the rules. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. right. And that was his reputation. Or, or didn't think he had to. And thought he, he was sharp enough so he could do whatever. And I, it probably was a negative for me because I really wanted to do my short tracking. Yeah. Wherever I went, I wanted to, to be in, with, inside the rules. Right, right. Now, is that because as a driver, you want to know that you outdrove everybody, or you just never wanted to be accused of being a cheater? Yeah, just, 
Yeah, really. Really, that was it. Yeah. It was just, just you just never wanted that more. It was like it seemed like Smokey Ward is a badge of honor. Yeah. That he was a guy that always looked for the gray as best as he could. He apparently didn't like being called a cheater. And yeah, I don't know see, if you ever had that exchange. See, see, as I got to know Smokey, yeah. see, Smokey would never defend himself. <laughs> and he'd be right. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I, I could see what was going on, and he's right. Yeah. And, and he won't defend himself. Mm-hmm. But he wanted that reputation yeah. that... Being, so, being wrong gave him in the industry. Okay, so so in some cases, being turned away or or being seen as a problem to sort of the powers that be, he wanted that. If he didn't have that, if he was able to win every argument, he wouldn't be this mastermind that, that he, he considered himself. Well, if he was able to win every argument, that they would learn from him. Right. Okay. Right. So yeah. instead so of wanted, giving away the secret. Wanted to make sure that, and, and see... And probably, probably one of my really short shortcomings was I always gave everybody everything. You know, I in terms told of people if you learned what you were doing, you'd say, "Yeah, this is what I'm doing." People didn't like I would tell them what I was doing. Yeah, and, and tell them how to do it right. Yeah, because uh, I wanted to prove that I, I could do it and do it right. And whatever. Uh, never thought about it in those terms. And uh, he probably, if if he could have got me under his wing and tutored me a little bit right probably could have helped me uh, <laughs> but um, he he would deliberately do little things to see if one of these guys could catch him doing that so that they would spread the word that he did oh Smokey had this cheated and that, yeah yeah did it and that, that was like the, the the car that got the credit for being a three quarter size car. Right. right. Yeah. So, so this was the yeah. the '67 Chevelle. Yeah. 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 And the car was it probably would fit every template that NASCAR could make. Yeah. At that time. You know what he did? He trimmed all the little extra edges off and bonded everything up real nice and smooth. And you know the car was a, a work of art. Yeah. But I, I assure you that it was not small. Right, right. It just looked small. Yeah, it was just sort of reimagined. Um, was there, so you mentioned like he likes to put things out there and see if he gets caught. Uh, we talked about that 78 car prior to that. So, for example, you drove that Impala in 65. Yeah. Um, declared the car horrible to drive. Leroy Yarborough goes out, he rolls it. Um, during that time, was there any, anything that he did that he wanted to get caught? with that um that was maybe like a distractive piece i don't know okay i don't know um the the one really fun thing was when the and i guess it was the the 67 chevelle Mm -hmm. when it was going through inspection at daytona yeah took the tank out and drove the car home right right (laughs) well he had a he had a gas line it was three inch diameter gas line 10 feet long. Right, right. And the rules just said it had to be this diameter, right? No, the rules didn't say how big it, it had said to be. Right. It only had, it had to be the thickness th- of the actual... The tubing had a thickness, but the right. length or anything else. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So it wasn't illegal. Yeah, well, it yeah. was not illegal. Yeah, they yeah. wrote the wrong rule. Yeah. He made it right. <laughs> so were you, were you actually there that day? I mean, yeah. I don't expect that you were hanging out at Tech, but like, yeah. did you witness this yourself? I, I was close enough I saw some of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to get my nose right into the middle of it. But. So during that era, because right now, 
If you enter the Daytona 500, you're one of a handful of teams, 40, 45 cars, but everybody kind of knows everybody. They know the teams are already set up. Everybody knows what they're showing up with. There is no surprise entry that unloads off the truck and, oh my gosh, there's a new Hendrick car. We had no right. idea. Yeah. Um, so in that 67 race, for example, so Smokey shows up with Curtis Turner. And um, was that a thing where he could just arrive and no one kind of knew what to expect or what was going on? Everybody was in on their own deal yeah. <clears throat> until all of a sudden here's Smokey. Okay. And was he like the one guy that when he shows up, everybody's like, oh, no, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's yeah. this going to look like? Okay. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, and... <clears throat> Because it wasn't like an entry list went on the internet a week before. Yeah, sure. Yeah. The, the, the petties were over there, you know, Maurice and Dale Edmund and not Richard. Richard Richard stayed over by the car, and he let Nothing Maurice and Dale Edmund do all yeah, the Yeah, that's mm-hmm. not his problem. Plus sure. an argument right, for him. Right, And uh, what I've read is that back then, some guys didn't care so much about the championship as much as they cared about the money. And so, like, Fireball Roberts was known for only – <laughs> entering the races that had big prize money. Yeah. And so I, I could see Smokey doing the same thing. Like, let's go win the big ones that are going to pay the most and get us the most headlines versus just doing the whole championship. Is that kind of what he would do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go for the go for the big net. Right, exactly. Okay. So, so even though well, there was a championship in that era, it's not like the prestige or money behind the cup championship today. I can't. Yeah. No. <laughs> Guy's got his foot stuck in there. Yeah. <laughs> the grinder. Over Dude, there. That's how they kill the crabs. <laughs> <laughs> that and pencil. Oh man. Um, all right. Yeah. Um, he um, wanted to go for the big deal. And um, now, is that for the money or for the fame as well, or the notoriety? Probably was for the fame more than the money. Yeah. Yeah. See, as I think of it now. <clears throat> Back then, I probably would have said money, but you know, he really didn't worry about the money. Yeah. You know, he had a, he had enough parts and pieces and, and enough welding wire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he just wanted to go stink up the show at all the big ones. Yeah. Show he could. So that being said, it's not surprising that he had all these gadgets and ideas because he's trying to make make a point. If he's doing it for the notoriety, yeah. you want to get the pole by five miles an hour. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, Very cool. I like that. In those days, you had the newsreels that would show the race highlights. It wasn't like today where there's hours and hours of live coverage. Yeah. And I don't think the Grand National Champion necessarily got a newsreel highlight that would play. But you would if you won the Daytona 500. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that was right. the highlight that you wanted. Right. Yeah. All right. So, um, so you drove the Impala in 1965. And you already kind of said this once before, but... You got in and declared that this car was terrible. Um, uh, we met with Bobby Unser uh, a couple of weeks ago, and, and Bobby drove a couple road race cars that Smokey had prepared and described them as crazy good horsepower, horrendous handling. Yep. And so that it's we're getting a theme here that, that Smokey maybe didn't understand what drivers needed out of a car. And, and didn't care. There it is. Okay. Yeah. He didn't care what the driver wanted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in his mind, this is what the car is going to need to be yeah. fast. Just figure it out. Would you even bother giving him feedback at that point? Oh, I tried to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and ironically, as time went on and as he got sick and, and yeah. you know, we became better and better friends. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, 
he uh i was down there doing something flew down there in my airstar and was doing something daytona and he's in the hospital at halifax so i went to see him so he says uh, <clears throat> what are you doing i said well i got a little time off you know we take care of this or that, whatever it was he says they, they got a pri show <clears throat> mm-hmm. over at halifax mall and i'm going go with me come on and go with me <laughs> he gets out of the hospital bed takes his hospital gown off puts his and this one he's going through all the treatments oh yeah and just <laughs> yeah yeah put, puts his old shop clothes on yeah his hat and his pipe yeah <laughs> we go to halifax mall yeah to sign autographs. <laughs> See the other thing. That, the other thing that Smokey really got a kick out of was right. signing autographs. Oh, okay. He loved it. Yeah. Right. You know, which I I enjoyed it. I had a lot of good times signing autographs. And for me, you know, it, it turned into a deal where I could hire myself out mm-hmm. and, and yeah. earn yeah. Per, a pretty good Absolutely. deal doing it and me enjoying it the whole time. You know, yeah, it's not about you're getting paid to have a nice time. Now you're getting crap. Yeah. Can get crap legs. Same thing. Yeah. So. But he really thought it was pretty neat, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And we went over there and we we had a line around the building. Sure. No kidding. And it was like it wasn't like PRI had any knowledge of this. There was no setup. Yeah, no, yeah. You guys, like, unannounced out of the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, and this wasn't because he was necessarily curious on the latest, greatest gadgets that were coming out of PRI. It was just from a, almost like a vanity standpoint yeah. that he just had to, people had to know he was still around and still kicking. Yeah. Yes. That's excellent. Love he, this man. And he, he was a delightful person under those kind of circumstances. There mm-hmm. was a, f- a few people around. Uh, ask him questions. You know, Smokey, how big a bore did you have in your son? <laughs> so yeah. Oh yeah, boy, that will puff on that pipe about two or three times. <laughs> By the time he got done puffing on the pipe, that thing had already been bored out another inch. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Once caught a fish, this yeah, big. The yeah. older he gets, the more horsepower it had. Kind right. Of thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Okay. So he liked being Smokey Eunuch. Yeah. 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 That actually, you bring up a good point, especially as you guys became Did you ever read his book? I read into his book a little bit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, it was a little bit rough for, well, that's for, from, it, from that standpoint. Um, I don't want to be the goody-goody. Right. But I had a really nice wife. Right. I had four really great kids. Yeah. I had really great parents. And I saw how some of those things <coughs> affected some other families. Yeah. And, and so I, I tried to be really careful about that. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and that's kind of my point is that um, it's not like we know you well, but you come off as very traditional, mm-hmm. obviously very religious. You were married to the same person for, uh, you know, for ne- decades. Nearly, nearly 100 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Smokey, at least, and of course, we never met Smokey, but, but, but judging by his book, cussed a lot <laughs> was not shy about his um expeditions with with women exploits yeah. uh, and you are not that guy at all no. and so but yet you guys still managed to get along yeah that's cool well it sounds like you have one thing in common you both wanted to go win races yes yeah yeah uh, that probably well and, and seeing he he really was 
interested in, in aviation. So he had come through. Do you know his story about the about the bombing, the, the yeah. Second World War? Yeah, 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 right, yeah. yeah. flying the B seventeen. Yeah, right about his age. So yep. To, yeah. to get in the Air Force, yeah. And, yeah. and then he somehow got the pilot out of the seat and got in the seat. And right. You know, and had a, an incredible record, from what I understand. Yeah. yeah. I don't know enough about the facts, but right. Well, I don't know that the facts matter. Have you guys talked to, to his son? Uh, we're going to meet with Trish, his daughter. Um, oh, yeah, okay. This we're we're going to see her in a couple days. Yeah. He, he has a son, Steve, okay. that was a motorcycle police in Daytona. Oh, really? Oh, we didn't know that. And I met him. I spent some time with Steve. Okay. And uh, I really, really liked him. Yeah. He was way, way, way calmer than his dad. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, yeah. so what would what did you ever get uh, see him get truly mad? Would anything sort of trigger him? He was pretty mad when he cranked that car up with no gas tank and drove it. Yeah, his. yeah, yeah. And and that's a real story. That's not some urban legend that continues yeah, no. to get bigger. Like you were there, it yeah. happened. What? So whenever we hear about little like in in our sports <coughs> car world, we've never had an incident quite like that. <laughs> um, but if something with tech or even just some just neighborhood kind of gossip happens within the paddock. It's it spreads through within about a minute. Yeah. Um, yeah. So was, what was the talk as soon as as soon as he drove off? Like was it like did you hear about what just happened over in you know stall three? Yeah. Yeah. How was he with you as a driver? Like, did you have any idea what he was up to? Like, if he had something special going on, whether it be arrow or extra uh, fuel or anything like that or would he just kind of not keep you in the loop so you uh, didn't have to a little bit no he really didn't see part of the reason i feel and, and i think there was some comment that made me take this feel he wanted me in the car because it was obvious to lots of people that i understood the chassis stuff way better than any of these other guys okay you know, just about everybody. Mm -hmm. So it was almost Fre like you Fre understood Lorenzo, handling. Freight Lorenzo really understood. Yeah. He taught me. Mm -hmm. But but see, I had already learned some of it before I ever got to Freddie. Okay. And so it was easy to learn from him. Mm -hmm. And uh, so many other guys, you know, they just fix it. Right. You're, you're the mechanic, fix it. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, not my problem. Yeah. Get it sorted out. Yeah. So... We we talked about that a little little tiny bit, you know. I mean, his his cars were pretty basic. Like if he had given you all the chassis and motor and everything, you could have then set it up to probably be even better if you were allowed to. Yeah. Yeah, because it sounds like you had the chassis understanding that he doesn't. But is it because yeah. he's who he is? He didn't want to hand that off to you. Well, and and I I don't really know. See, because he had Fireball and he mm -hmm. had Junior Johnson and he had. There seemed to be an attitude that some of this stuff was almost like voodoo. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. It was Just doing things no one could do. Outside of the thinking ability of most people. Yeah. Right. And and maybe it even was. Uh, but if you if he let you in, it would almost be like he's mortal. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and uh, I, I feel like I could have helped all three of his cars that I... Mm -hmm. yeah, that I had gotten in. Mm -hmm. yeah. I drove a lot of stuff that, that I probably shouldn't have shouldn't right. have really right. sat down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, <clears throat> some of it, 
I did quite well with. Right. Mm-hmm. So with a with a guy like Smokey, I mean, you you very from what I am uh, understand after your Charlotte run, you very publicly said this car wasn't what it needed to be, um, and it seemed like Smokey had his drivers. He had Fireball, and then he had Curtis Turner. It seemed like you drove a couple of cars, but you weren't one of his guys per se. Uh, was that because you weren't afraid to tell him a car wasn't good? I would say it was more because my attitude was that if I drove that car around and wanted to fix it, then I wanted to fix it. Yeah. I didn't want to drive another lap and see if it would fix itself. Sure. So he wasn't interested in a driver that he could collaborate with. He wanted a driver that would shut up and just, and just yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. So you and Bobby Unser didn't work out. <laughs> that yeah. somehow makes sense to me. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So, obviously, one of the most known things about Smokey is that he had a massive rivalry with the France family. Yeah. And that's taken on big business right there, you know? And when they hold the keys of the kingdom, that's a death sentence. Yeah. As his friend, how do you handle that? Like, if you're around him, are you afraid you might get seen speaking to him and that could be bad for you? Or how would that work? Well, I was afraid that it could have a poor effect on... The, the next my next conversation with Bill French Jr. or right. Bill French Sr. You yeah. know, see, see, Smokey was really had the problem with Bill Sr. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Jr. was younger, and and and, uh, and when he came into the thing, he came in as a problem solver anyway. Mm-hmm. Now, I had a lot of conversation with Bill Jr. where I didn't have many with Big Bill. Mm-hmm. But I did some stuff for Big Bill that, you know, I'm really disappointed that it didn't go better than it went as I look at it now. Okay. Big Bill was not as friendly to me, Mm -hmm. but Bill Jr. one day would be my buddy and want me to do this and this and Mm -hmm. this, which I would do. And the next day he'd be penalizing me for something, having my shoes tied wrong or something. Mm -hmm. I mean... Mm -hmm. Just some some completely out of the picture, right? But showing me that he was in charge. Yeah, and, yeah, and, like and a stamping his authority it, on it. And it didn't, and I had done something back there. And to that point, it seemed like so the France. It's almost the France family. It seemed like they were almost developing a culture of just they're in charge. You're going to do favors for them, but that's it. No, they don't know anybody anything. Yeah, yeah. And so, so a, a guy like Smokey, who is as a source of pride, doing everything he can to go against them, mm-hmm. um, I can't imagine that went well. Oh no! Yeah. See, see and, oil and water, right there. And, and, and the little bit that I saw with my own self, yeah, I could see more than that going on with him. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, I thought to myself time and again, Smokey, shut up and sit down. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Well, and that's kind of you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you you can really do really good things, and you know you can, somehow you can get that horsepower. You prove that to, to the world, mm-hmm. right? And you can get that horsepower, and you go ahead and and uh, right find the right guy and and get that car organized and and, and win the thing fair and square. Don't don't have to cheat to win. The, right, right, right. So. If, so let's say he shows up with a, they have their you know 11 point checklist of all the things he needs to fix if he'd maybe only done half of those things that he might have not had as many problems in terms of getting checked out oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah see, see he, he would argue about every one of them 
Right. Do you think if he hadn't, because he obviously made such a spectacle of of what he did, whether it was going to the media and, and claiming that NASCAR is never going to catch what he's doing, or or simply being as combative, throwing a hammer at Bill Franz allegedly. Um, well, see, go, go all the way back. See, we almost got on the subject a few minutes ago. Yeah. But way in the early deal, Bill Franz proposed this big new speedway and da 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 da, and needed some investors. And Smokey Eunuch went in debt to get money to invest. And then Big Bill bankrupted that corporation. It cost oh, Smokey his money. Yeah. Okay. See, Smokey felt like Big Bill owes him that money to the day he died. Wow. So, and that's a fact that's not too known. Yeah, right. Um, right. So, before it ever, ever got kicked off, Smokey's already got kind yeah. of a, a head of steam in terms of anger. So you do uh, you do some work with the Hall of Fame here yeah. in Charlotte. Uh, another big thing about Smokey is that he most likely will never be allowed into the Hall of Fame because of his you know feuds. Feud with NASCAR with yeah. NASCAR and the France family. For, yeah, France. So, do you think that's fair? Or do you think everybody should kind of get over it and allow him in just because of his you know I contributions? Think, I think they should get over it and allow him in because of his contribution to the, to, to the whole picture. Right. Right. Yeah. If NASCAR gets sold, do you think that would change how quickly he would be allowed in? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of do, too. Well, even, let's say it doesn't get sold or it takes a while. I mean, the the management within NASCAR is changing. You know, the, yeah. The, there's... Yeah, see, the only real France left, and she's not even a real France, is Lisa. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And does she carry the same opinions as, as yeah. you know... Yeah, see... Um, she stayed mad at me for years. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Yeah, because I said something to her daddy that her daddy didn't like and came home and yep. said okay. it was She had to hear tip. about it. Yeah. yeah. Can we ask what that was? Do you remember specifically what it was? No, I do not. Oh, so it's something that you don't even remember. <laughs> Is that real yeah. memory, or you're saying that because you don't want to tell us? He, uh, no, it's real memory. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. He, he sat down at that dinner table and said that damn Bobby Allison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Lisa Kennedy to Lisa, this day still. Lisa is like 12, 13 years old. Right. Yeah. And you know, that guy makes my dad come home mad. Mm-hmm. Okay. Two or three nights a week. Oh, well then, <laughs> right. Smokey right. Eunuch. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> like never. Bobby Allison can make you mad for days. Yeah, right, right. Okay. Uh, so with, with Smokey, just a couple of sort of, uh, I hate using the expression rapid fire. Okay. Which is some really quick, um, there's some there's some urban legends about Smokey. You, you don't need, we don't need to hear a whole story but just like can you tell us if these are true or not right. okay yeah okay. did Smokey Eunuch inflate a fuel cell with a basketball to change the capacity not that I know of oh okay interesting did he actually build a 7 8 or 15 16 scale Chevelle no I'm uh, sure he did not have you ever heard that he threw a hammer at Bill France. I may have heard that, but I, I can't be sure that that it just sounds good right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's like every smoky unit. Right. right. It's better than what could be the truth. Yeah. <laughs> um, um. I, I, you're a conservative. I don't want to offend you. Um, 
there's a rumor that when he was kicked out at Daytona in 67, um, that that he was sent a letter with a $1,500 check as an apology from, from the, the powers that be at Daytona Beach, and allegedly Smokey soiled it. Yeah, allegedly he, he peed on it. Peed on it. Yeah. And and I would I would believe that. Yeah. It's about his style. Yeah. Yeah. Did he ever tell you any of these stories himself? No. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Cool. We talked a little bit about a few things, you know, yeah. but so far you have been on <laughs> right. 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 NASCAR today has some great you know, uh guys leading the the mechanical side of things. We've got guys like Chad Canals or Rodney Childers or Cole Pern. None of them, to me, quite have the character of Smokey. None of them are as argumentative. Cole likes to be a little bit different, and we yeah. love the guy, but right. certainly not to the extreme of Smokey. Um, do you feel like that's missing almost in NASCAR, having somebody like that? Well, I, th- I think Chad and, and Roger and Cole would all like to do that, but they're afraid to show that side of their personality yeah, yeah. yeah you know because history said well these guys have, have had this you know some really great stuff along the way but every one of them has fell on hard times yeah so in other words they like their jobs see i'm gonna tell you ralph moody was incredibly incredibly smart mm-hmm. but he was smart engine chassis yeah aerodynamic the whole deal. Yeah. You never got the credit. Right. So somebody like Smokey, I mean, we're talking about Smokey because he was so eccentric. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you almost feel like Ralph Moody is almost buried in these kind of stories because he wasn't and he just got the job done. Yeah. yeah. You know, Smokey, you had to pay attention to him mm-hmm. because whenever he was there and, and you were there, he was going to make sure that you heard what he was saying. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, wasn't necessarily seeing what he was doing, but right. you could hear what he was saying. Right. right. So if you could tell, let's say, like a 25-year-old kid who's new to watching NASCAR racing, uh, just a very general description of what Smokey Eunuch was and your day, what, like, how would you describe him? Smokey Eunuch was, a, he was a, a good mechanic who really did not want you to know how good he was or what he was working on. Mm-hmm. See, secrecy was his number one ally yeah. Yeah. through his career. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great one-liner. In terms of NASCAR history and, and telling stories, does the truth matter? In other words, no. the character... Yeah, thank you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Next question. Next you are question. my guy. You will always be my guy. Uh, <laughs> That was amazing. Well, that was easy. <laughs> there you are. That was, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the close to the video. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Yeah. The truth, the truth always matters. Mm-hmm. E-I-R-I, except in rare instances. I like that. Perfect. I like that. Awesome. And, uh, cool. You're going to be able to carry those crab legs home? They're so heavy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
One of our all-time favorite guests we've had on the show for many different reasons is none other than uh, Don Garlitz. Don Garlitz! You mean Big Daddy? Big Daddy Don Garlitz! You mean Gar? Gar! You mean it's, uh, who? when when we call him, what does he say? So we're going to give you a little behind the scenes. True story. Uh, this is what it's like to call Don Garlitz. Uh, you play me, Ryan. Yeah, okay. Ring, 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 ring. Yeah! Hey Don, it's uh, it, it's Sean Heckman from Dinner with Racers. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, we just wanted to mention something to you. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Yeah. It's Sean. Uh. It's Sean. The Dinner with Racers. True story actually happened. That actually happened. Yep. A career highlight. Don Garlitz told some great stories about Smoky Eunuch on his personal episode that he did with us a couple years back. But uh, when we were talking to people, they're like, hey, you know you need to reach out to is uh, is Don Garlitz because he and Smokey, they were buds. And we remember the story he told us. And I was like, okay, this is a no-brainer. So, so we went down to Ocala, Florida, and we met up with Don Garlitz at his museum. It was super cool. We went to a restaurant nearby afterwards, which we don't need to mention the name of it. Yeah. <laughs> they, they went out of their way to make sure that we did not mention them because they might be a large chain that's known for putting things in barrels. barrels. Right. So anyways, uh, he had some great stories. Uh, very fun to sit down with. And the cool thing about Don is he knew Smokey through a lot of their career, which includes the later parts of his career. And actually some of his best stories are the sort of the retirement days and going to conventions and whatnot. Also, if you haven't been to the Don Garlitz Museum in Ocala, Florida, we had the pleasure of going there. You can see some clips of it in our Amazon Prime show, uh, but he's got a ton of Smokey Eunuch memorabilia on top of just some kick-ass race cars. Yeah, you should just go anywhere because the place is amazing. So here's Don Garlitz on Smokey Eunuch. So you knew Smokey Eunuch. Yes, I did. Yeah. I met him in uh, January 1960. I'd heard a lot about him because he was kind of like a rebel, you know. And so he was always pushing against the grain on the rules. He liked, liked to do whatever he wanted to do. And he was the type of a guy that he didn't break the rules. He um, worked around the rules. If NASCAR didn't say it was outlawed, he, he, he felt like he could do it. Right, right. And and so before you ever met him, what was the reputation? Was he somebody that was, like, imposing, intimidating? Cantankerous. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, I mean, he was stubborn, too. He was, yeah. he was a type of a guy that was set in his ways, and you weren't going to change him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The, the truck story. You're racing out at, was that Pomona? Yeah, well, I was. Uh, I went to this big race in Riverside, California. It was okay. an East versus West challenge, but a lot of the Eastern cars never showed up, and so I got out to California at Riverside, and they had the California guys lined up on one side of the track, and they lined me on the other, and I raced them all, and uh, I got seventy-five hundred bucks for that, and that was with Swamp Rat One, which was a car built on thirty-one Chevy frame rails towed out there on an open trailer homemade out of angle iron behind a 1950 Cadillac. But the Cadillac was pretty good because it was a, had a real special motor that I'd built for the moonshiners, but they never came and got the car, so I had a mechanic's lean title. So it was fast. In Arizona, New Mexico, and West Texas, there's a lot of times we run a, was running 100 miles an hour, and you look in the rearview mirror and you could see light under the 
trailer wheel. <laughs> and I mean, that thing really purred. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I got back to Tampa, and uh, it was we got back just in time for Christmas. So after the Christmas holidays, I hooked it up and drove over to Daytona Beach. I wanted to meet Smokey. Yeah. Just like somebody might, some kid might drive in here with his car on his trailer to, to meet shop. me. It yeah. happens all the time. And I walked into the place, and I said, I'd like to see Mr. Mr. Smokey Eunuch. And uh, they, they said, he's back there in his office. You can go back there. And I walked in there, and I just said, I'm Don Garlitz. And I'll never forget it. He said, I've heard of you. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I got my car out here. I just come back from California, and I beat all the Californians with my Swamp Rat car. And... Uh, he said, I'd like to see that car. And uh, so he went come out, out of his office, and he came out, and he walked around. The, it was on an open trailer, just walked completely around it. And he said, it looks to me like you put the trailer and the car together with a buzz box. <laughs> and I said, I did. <laughs> and, and, you know, a buzz box, for people that don't know what that is, that's a, an electric weller that plugs into the wall and burns stick electrodes. Right. The most rudimentary mm-hmm. type of welding. <laughs> As a matter of fact. I, I still have the buzz box. <laughs> <laughs> so he says to me, he says, what do you tow it with? I said, this Cadillac. He says, well, where do you keep the tools and the spare parts? And I just took the key, opened up the trunk. I said, there it is right there, a short block. And there's my tools, just a little small box. And he says, don't go anyplace. I'll be right back. And he goes inside. He comes back a little bit with an envelope, uh, just an old business envelope. God, I wish I still had it. Yeah, right. But, you know, you know who would ever sure. thought you'd we ever want that, it. you know? Yeah, yeah. Right. And it had a guy's name and telephone number in Flint, Michigan. He said, drive up here to Flint. There's a new GMC carryall waiting for you in your name. And I said, Mr. Unique, are you kidding? And he said, I never kid. He said, anybody <laughs> that could take a piece of crap like this and go to California and outrun all those hot shots with all their fancy equipment deserves a better tow vehicle. And, and we were like that from that day forward. Because, I mean, that's a big deal in 1960, yeah. somebody to give you a vehicle. Right. And this is early in your career when it wasn't like free stuff was coming. The only thing I got free on that car... Some spark plugs. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I mean, everything was purchased. Yeah. The intake manifold. I got the receipt in the uh, in the cabinet over there in the museum. The glass case with the, shows the, the camshaft receipt from Escondirian, $93. So after that interaction with Smokey, you guys became very close. Yeah. Did he ever work on parts for you? Did he ever do motors for you? Never did anything on a part for me. But what what I did, he uh, he ran the breakfast at the PRI show for years and years in Indianapolis, and I would always just go up there just for an airplane ticket, and sit on the panel down in front, and we talk. I mean, I sat with some of the greats, AJ, Mario, Al Unser, all of them, and uh, 
Dolan Beck, Wally, that's another nice yeah. guy. Art Pollard, he was a great guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, f- the funniest story ever to come out of that was this, this old lady stood up in the back of the room. This is years ago. I say old, she's about 45 maybe, you know. <laughs> <laughs> she stood up in the back of the room, and, and what they would do, they had a roving mic. And uh, that would, when the, they'd raise her hand, and the mic would go over to them. And, this, and they'd say, well, this, is for Don, this question's for Don Garlett. And this old lady says, this question's for you, Smokey. And he says, go ahead, ma'am. He was always real polite, you know. And uh, she says, I want to know what a good-looking woman like Margie who was sitting right there on the front row, the second wife, sees in an old fart like you. <laughs> I mean, the room went total silent. You could have heard a pin drop. Right. She had an ax to grind. They never knew what was coming next. Yeah. Right. And Smokey says, come on up, ma'am. Come on up here to the stage. And she just starts right up there, you know. He says, when you get up here, we'll step behind this backdrop, and I'm going to show you. (laughs) And old Margie just blushed on the front row and laughed, and the room laughed for five minutes. And the woman just went right out of the room. Probably turned white and ran out. That's Uh, that's our guy. Yeah. That's our guy. Not all heroes wear capes. Pipe. <laughs> what? Uh, and it wasn't like this was like in the '60s. This was like 15 years ago. Another um, interesting event was, you know, he knew he was going to die. He just didn't know exactly when, but he knew it was not going to be too far off. And he was trying to clean up everything to make it as easy as possible on Trish. And. Um, they had this big no-reserve auction. It was going to be three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And the mailing for that thing was $65,000 just for the brochure. And they came from all over, I guess all over the world, who knows, because they all wanted to get a piece of smoky stuff, you know. Yep. And it started off Friday morning, and about 10, maybe 10.30, it just wasn't going too well. You know, the stuff was selling, but they wasn't bringing the... He really had a high opinion of what all that stuff was worth. And they got to this small block Chevy with Hemi heads that General Motors had made three of. And they had one that they were had on the proven grounds in a car, hot lapping. They had one in their dyno cells, and they sent one to Smokey to be evaluated. And Smokey had taken it all apart and really looked at it, put it all together himself, torqued it and everything, put it on that personal dyno over there, and uh, did five or six pulls, took it off, took it all apart and looked at it, got on the phone and said, you can forget this project. This is just a piece of crap. (laughs) Wow. And they just stopped everything. Oh, wow. Wow. They did stopped all the dyno tests and pulled the car off the proving grounds. End of deal. No point in keeping going. <laughs> so if Smokey Unix whatever says. Whatever Smokey said, that was it, especially with General Motors. So this engine came up, 
It was on the block. And it got to 40,000 pretty quick, and that's where it kind of stopped. And the announcer's trying to get 41,000. And uh, he's talking about this engine. He said, you know, you can't reorder this engine. This is the only one that will ever be out here. The other two are in the museum in Michigan. And uh, do I hear 41,000? I got 40,000. Do I hear 41,000? Is it going once? 40,000. Do I hear 41,000? I'm going to sell this engine. 40,000. Do I hear 41? Going twice. I'm going to sell this engine. And Smokey stepped up on the stage and got the guy's wrist yeah. and took the mallet. And he shook it out there at the crowd. He said, you sons of bitches don't want to buy nothing. This auction is over. And that was it. It was it. Took the auctioneers in the office, and it's rumored, nobody knows for sure, that he gave them $125,000 for their trouble. And the people just it knocked the breath yeah. out of them. Yeah. yeah, they were just standing there. What? <laughs> I came here to buy stuff. Man, I think Don Garland screaming in the middle of a diner is my new career high. Yeah, yeah, everything's going well for us. <laughs> um, so when you're doing like PRI with them and stuff like that, are you guys going out for drinks at night? You got any good drinking with Smoky stories? Because he quit I, drinking, I, but I've would never, still. I never. Went anywhere with Smokey to drink or eat. Wow. And you would say you were a close friend of his. Just went over there to Daytona, looked at his stuff. Oh, and like I, there was a time when I used Pontiac rears, mm -hmm. and he must have had a million of them. Right. With all kind of different ratios, and we, I got all the different ratios that we could run in my fuel dragsters. Just give them to us. Right. So, you were married for for a long time prior. Um, so uh, you probably had a different agenda than Smokey. But you know, right up until the end, Smokey was synonymous with um, not being shy with women. Uh, were there any uh, great tales he would tell you uh, the next day, like at PRI or anything like that? Well, he you know he he has that book that he wrote and he named. He named names Wait, and, the wife. and yeah. places. Yeah. I mean, it was incriminating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was all about the, because I guess in the, the super speedways and the NASCAR drivers and the sex and the women, I guess it was unreal. Yeah. Not and, so much in NHRA? Huh? Not so much in drag racing? Well, there was some in drag racing, but not like in NASCAR. Yeah. The NASCAR guys were much bigger heroes with the women than the drag racers were. <laughs> so you like to describe Smokey as almost like a, a father figure for you. Yeah, because my stepdad died early and so did my father. And none of them were real sharp on automobiles anyway. I just loved his shop. Right. I loved to walk around, and he, he kept everything, you know. And there was just so much stuff in there. Most of the shop, the, I, I love that big glass beater that he had in there. He had a special beater made. Mm -hmm. And I I did, the, I used that a lot, you know, because we, we restore cars. Yeah. And I always kept him. I said, where did he get that big beater? He says, oh, I had that made. And um, 
then after he was dead, the, the daughter was going through all the paperwork. And she'd come across an envelope that had a little note on it to her. said, Trish, see to it that Don Garlitz gets that big glass beater in the back room after when I die. He always liked it so much. Mm-hmm. Dad. And, and she just called me right up and said, come get it. Dad wanted you to have that. Huh. It was my type of guy. <laughs> because in drag racing, I was always trying to do things that there was not rules about that would make the car faster. Mm-hmm. And I can take you through my museum, and I can show you 10 or 15 things on the cards that the following year were, were, were now outlawed. Right. So the, the uh, drag racing rule book is significantly larger thanks to Don Garlitz. And uh, in many ways, Smokey Eunuch was the same kind of guy. It, it wasn't cheating. If there was no rule against it, why couldn't you do it? Right. Um, so that mentality... I get the impression you were probably always this way, but I don't know if apprentice is the right word, but you worked under Smokey and, and worked. you went to his shop, you visited him several times. Was there anything that you actually learned from him? Did he ever sort of take you under his wing and teach you some of his, his secrets? Well, it, it's just, you know, he was persistent and he was driven, self-driven. And I'm like that. And um, I mean, like that, like that fire, that Fera. I mean, he built that thing, got 52 miles to the gallon. Just said his mind. Well, who would even think you could do anything like that? But just got an idea and followed through with it. Did he ever talk about what he was going to do with any of this? So somebody like you, who he'd consider a peer, you know, you're out drag racing, you're not running stock cars. Um, would he ever? tell you some of the stuff he was up to or is it just something that would come out after the fact like, after the fact yeah he, he never, never once said anything that he was doing yeah he was real close mouth and he didn't brag about any of it either you know it was just like it would just seem like everything he did which just should have been just normal so obviously you're a racer and you've had i'm sure your fair share of run-ins with the series that you race in at any particular time he very famously had a massive issue with the France family. Would you see that happening and think, like, maybe I should tell Smoke to back off a little bit for his own good? Or did you just let him do his own thing? <laughs> he was his own man. I, just, it, it, I know the feeling because I, I had the problem like that with NHRA myself. Were there other Smokey Unix out there that were on his level? I don't know anybody that was on his level, but there was other guys out there that was kind of like that. You know, Cotton Owens, the Petties, they they weren't like that. You know, they 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 were really good people and good drivers, but they didn't come up with all these tricks like he was. I mean, that Smokey had a million of them. Well, so somebody like the Petties, so Richard Petties' number one crew chief for years was Dale Inman. And I'm sure that Dale exploited the gray a lot as well. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but the thing about them is they kept quiet. They very rarely criticized NASCAR or would, like, they wouldn't have. They exactly. Would, they, would, they would exploit the gray with maybe four or five things, not 15. Uh, do you think that was part of Smokey's problem? Yeah, if you want to call it a problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Do you think he would have had more longevity with somebody like NASCAR if he didn't speak up so much? Yeah, he just didn't get along with him. He didn't want to get along with him. So one of the things that we learned from hanging out with Trish was that he didn't want anything to be left behind as sort of a shrine or a museum or anything strictly because, specifically because of the Don Garlitz Museum. Because he saw all the work and effort that you've had to put into it and he thought, man, that'd be a lot of trouble for someone to go through. So I don't want anybody to do anything like that for me. Did you know that? Yeah, I, I never, I never thought about it like that. But I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Yeah, he was happy to see you get things to go in your museum. And it was but, all down here in Florida, which he liked that scene. Yeah. Um, were you close when he got sick? Oh yeah, they called me, and told me to come over. He said, you know, I won't be here much longer. I don't know how long, but it's not going to be long. He said, if there's any engines out there in that room there that you'd like, go pick them out. And any of this equipment that you want. And I said, I'd love to have the dyno. And I didn't really know about the gasoline machine. He explained that to me. He said, I could have that if I wanted. I said, oh, my God, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Did anybody else get that offer, you think? Did anyone else get that offer to come pick through? Not that I know of. When was the last time you saw him? I went over there and picked up a couple of engines. I think the um, the Buick Nailhead. And I, I never saw him again. Was there a last exchange? You could tell he was. He couldn't hardly hear anything at the end. His, his hearing was just completely gone. So as long as there's a Don Garlitz Museum, is there going to be a Smoky Eunuch display inside? Oh, yeah. We're a non-profit. There won't be any auctions over here. So motorsport as a whole, drag racing, stock cars, indie cars, all of it is struggling a little bit. It's harder to find sponsors than it used to be. Oh, yeah. And Well, they have to be bigger. Well, with one, it's more money for sure. Mm -hmm. But we believe that one of the problems in the sport right now is it's almost like you can't be a personality anymore. So in 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 the 1960s, Smokey could be bigger than life and say crazy things and get away with it. In the 1970s, you could say horrendous things about the NHRA and you could still get away with it. Today, with manufacturers or sponsors the way they are, people are very neutered. And just, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's so true. The guys were rough and tough back in those days. And um, they drank and caroused. And, uh, I like that. Caroused. NH- NHRA, Let's go carousing later. They, they weeded all that out. Yeah. Do you think that's hurting do you think that's hurting the sport? Um, um, yeah, I think it hurt the sport. Yeah. From a from a spectator uh, interest point of view, yeah. Right. It took all the, the excitement out of it. I mean, the proof of what I'm saying, a few years ago, there was a almost a fist fight at the far end between John Force and Tony Pedragon. I mean, they come this close to exchanging blows. Yeah. And the... 
and even NHRA ran the thing over yeah. and right. over yeah. and yeah. Right. over. Fantastic. Right. Yeah. And the crowd loved it. Yeah. All of a sudden, it wasn't goody two-shoes, you know, and <laughs> yeah. the white belts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. And that keeps people interested. Yeah. Yeah. That's a current thing that happens with NASCAR where they will find drivers for getting into fights and altercations, but then the very next race, they're using that highlight reel to get fans to come out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So obviously there's an interest there from the fan side to see chaos. Yeah, well, I think I think the uh, NHRA fine Pedro gone in, in uh, force. They should have paid that him. little thing and then used it over and over. Yeah, right. Yeah, they should have gave him money. Should have paid him. <laughs> yeah, Sean and I are going to fight in the parking lot later yeah, just yeah. for the show, for the fans. Yeah, for the fans. Yeah, that's what it's for. <laughs> through through Smokey's entire career, he had. Factory, uh, he had manufacturers working on projects with him, whether they were car racing or street cars. GM, uh, <clears throat> Chevrolet, Pontiac, Ford, they all did programs with him. And it was very much, they would just give him the project and that was it. There was no oversight. It was like, where here's the car, figure how to make it faster or get better mileage or whatever the Check project was. Check this engine out, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And it's all yours. Uh, a racing program today can't do that. If you're a NASCAR team or an IndyCar team, if you have manufacturer support, they're sending their own engineers to work with you, and that's the deal. Um, was that common in in the 1960s or even 1970s that if you did a deal with a the manufacturer, they just said, here you go, and we're going to stay out of it? Well, that's how Chrysler did me. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. They just sent me engines. They come there on pallets. That make dragsters, make fuel motors, see what you can do with this stuff. If you had told Chrysler, take it back, this is all junk, you're wasting your time, would you still be working with Chrysler? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be gone. I mean, that'd have been the end of me. Yeah. Our audience is younger, maybe don't know their history of the sport as well. Um, if there was a legacy of Smokey Eunuch that you would want to leave behind with a, a show like this, what would it be? Just stay thinking outside the box. That's it. Pretty good. Here's a question. So if you read all of his book, a lot of those stories are like, eh, I don't know if that's real. Do you, <laughs> do you, do you think the legend is more important than the truth? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? I mean, we we live in a world of legend. I mean, we never went to the moon. I'm finished. All right, this was a long episode, so we'll wrap it up. But once again, thank you to everyone at the Eunuch family for allowing us to do this. You can go to SmokeyEunuch.com if you want to read his book about the best damn garage in town. SmokeyEunuch.com is the place that benefits the most from your purchase. And, of course, you can check this out. Episode 2 on Amazon Prime. It may not be out the absolute second that you look if you're uh, checking this out on the day this releases. However, it will be available this weekend. That's all up to Amazon as to when that comes out. For now, though, we're going to play this out on another song that was in the very same episode that's available on Amazon Prime. This is Dorian Blue by Songs of Water.